Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello, Dave. Hello, Matt. Hello, Dave. Hello, Jess. What a pleasure to be here inside the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and inside your ears, listeners. Yeah. And we can't get out. I'm in your phone. I'm in there. <laughs> Let I'm me trapped out. in I'm your cursed. phone. <laughs> Until I make amends with all the people I've heard, I'm trapped in your phone. I'm playing Bejeweled. And I know what you're Googling, and it is yuck. It is hard to make it up to people I've wronged from inside your phone. Yeah, it's not the best position to be in, in terms of making it up to people I've wronged, of which there are many. Yeah, it only happens occasionally. You'll leave me at a place of a person I've wronged. Yeah. And I vibrate. And, and I get little positive, positive vibes. And then, and and they don't pick up and talk to me. But when you come back to the table, they're like, "Oop, someone's popular." And it's no, they're not popular. <laughs> You're yelling that. <laughs> Why is your phone accusing you of not being popular? This is the phone of a loser. <laughs> Help me, I'm trapped. I say. And they say, "What a hilarious ringtone." <laughs> this is my curse. <laughs> Are you calling the, the listeners losers? So, Only the one whose yes. phone I'm stuck in. Oh, okay. So whoever's listening right now. Yes. <laughs> well, you're the only one listening. That's sad for you and us. <laughs> yeah, when there's more people doing the podcast and listening to it, oh, no. there's a ratio there. <laughs> yeah. If we had three listeners... We'd be all right. That's We'd okay. have one each. <laughs> yeah, mine's Jeremy. <laughs> Four, now we're cooking. Yeah. But two or one... Oh boy, it's not good for us. We've really got to push push those socials. Yeah. <laughs> Retweet, tell a friend. <laughs> Three retweets. Wow, they all liked it. <laughs> That's that is a good ratio. Uh, but uh, Dave, I know you are better than anyone to explain how this podcast works. <laughs> mm. Well, because I think probably I hold the record for explaining it more than anyone else, but also being the worst at explaining it. So I disagree. 
Someone who uh, who's just been listening back from the start said you were pretty good at explaining it early. Oh, I lost my way. At some point, you've lost your way. You've gotten shitter. Well, let me take you back to the start and uh, tell you that what we do here is we take it in turns to report on a topic often suggested to us by a listener. Anyone can suggest a topic and we usually give them a shout out. Uh, One of us takes that topic, goes away, does a bit of research, brings it back and then starts the report with a question because the other two have no idea what the topic's going to be. Matt, you're in the big boy chair. (laughs) I am. And I'm going to ask a question. Here it is. Which two sports did Darren Bennett Matt McBriar, Sav Rocker, and Ben Graham play. They all famously played two different Ooh. sports at a, the highest or at a high level. Definitely One of the only the name I really recognise is Sav Rocker, Same. and I think that he's a big booter of the AFL. Yes, the Aussie rules. So what else? And then maybe was he the one that they got over and said, "Hey, why don't you boot this?" NFL ball. That's that is, that is right? correct. They all played Australian and American football. Who are the other three names? Oh, so it was Darren Bennett. Uh, he's probably the most successful to cross over. He's in like the Chargers Hall of Fame now. He also played 100 games in Australia in the AFL. Mac McBride didn't play in the AFL, but went over and, and uh, did really well for the Dallas Cowboys and a couple other teams. Sav Rocker, like you said, you've heard of him. He's famous over here. But um, he, after his career in the AFL, he went over and played a few years in the NFL with some success, as did Ben Graham. Ben Graham went over when he was 32. He basically played a whole career in the AFL and went over and uh, did really well in the NFL. It's a hard game to learn late, but yeah. punters just have to kick it far and sort of accurate. That's their whole job. <laughs> How hard can it be? Easy. I could do it in my sleep. Get me in there. Where do you want this ball? <laughs> you tell me where you want it. Over there? Done. How far? How far? Yeah, right. <laughs> What's my margin of error? None. All right. Okay. Easy. Just like to know. <laughs> Just I like mean, to know so I can be better than the margin yeah. of error. Because <laughs> like, no it, need. If there was like a 5% margin, I'd do it. I'd do a five, I'd stuff out one in 20 times, but I could do it right every time if I yeah, wanted. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just wanting to seem more human. Yeah. You know, so people don't say, oh, I was photoshopped. <laughs> yeah. Was that a robot? You got a, some sort of kicking machine no, over there? No, I'm just a very good human. Got a weird energy straight off the bat today, but I'm going to just ride it. Well, this week's episode isn't about any of those people. Okay. Um, right. But it's about the first man who did both uh, played at the highest level football in Australia and then in America. Huh. The story about an Australian who went to the US and gained fame as, quote, the greatest kicker who ever wore a shoe in America. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about the shoeless kickers? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a different. So like, different a, like, a, like a Bruce Lee or something, like yeah. kicking the shit out of someone barefoot. Okay. Yeah, don't try and compare the two. Apples and oranges, yeah. mate. Uh, before he mir- mysteriously disappeared. <gasps> this is the story of Pat O'Day, the kangaroo kicker. Oh, does that mean he played for the kangaroos, or did he kick kangaroos? That was his nickname in America. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> this guy They're kicks like, kangaroos. Australia, what do we know about him? Kangaroos, boomerangs, <laughs> crocodile Dundee. Get down, mate. <laughs> that would have been well ahead of his time uh, because he was over there in the late 1800s. But what? So 1800s. I mean, that's right. Bob, I forget footy's that old. I Bob know. Cobra. What do you think of that nickname? The kangaroo kicker. Yeah. It sounds like a serial killer. Yeah. Sounds like he is kicking people to death. He yes, is resting on his um, very strong tail yep. and kicking with both feet. Using his talons to rip out your gullet yeah. or whatever. And he is kicking you off a cliff. Am I saying that right? Oh, yeah. Is that what they do with their talons? Kangaroos are brutal. Mm. 
I know even at the zoo, like you can walk through and you can like get quite close to them. And you see a lot of tourists doing that because kangaroos like amazing. But I'm always like walking quite quickly through that bit. I'm like, don't fuck me up. Don't fuck me up. Don't fuck me up, please. <laughs> I think those places are normally pretty good at keeping the full badass kangaroo, yeah. like the head guy or whatever. Yeah. But you, yeah, you know, do you ever know for sure? What are they called? The Don. Are they the Don? It's not the Don. What's the name? Are they the, like bull? the No, they're no, the... I don't know. But like the big red kangaroos. Yeah, the like, alpha, do- alpha dog. Yeah. What are those ones that literally look like a cartoon muscle kangaroo. Yeah, yeah. those ones what? don't fuck with <laughs> those. They? At the they've zoo, been they've work- got, working out on steroids. It's amazing. They've got those like little cute little like blue flies or like gray, the little gray ones who are just like, I'm just here eating some leaves. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, so cute. Um, but I'm still like, I don't want to fuck with you. Yeah. Please, I'm just going through. It's the only way to get through to other exhibits. <laughs> I'm just trying to get through the zoo, please. I don't know why they make us walk through Why here. do they make me do this? This should be optional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they're standing with their pecs. Oh, my God. And their biceps are almost as big as one. That's how big they are. Yeah. They're jacked. Almost Whoa. as big as one. I think you're being a bit generous there to the kangaroos. Yeah, look, I didn't want to embarrass them. Yeah. It's cute. If they hit the gym a little more, I'm okay. Yeah. But, you know. But let's be honest. Kangaroo kicker. What do you think of that, Dave? I love it. Yeah, I thought you would. You that love is, alliteration? Absolutely. The KK, kangaroo kicker. Kangaroo kicker is very good. Yeah. It's no cobra. I wouldn't. I'm finally on board with cobra, by the way. Thank you. I think it suits me. <laughs> I'm thinking of it as an ironic nickname. But, um, <laughs> no irony there. No irony at all. Um, I think if you'd said... Like, what is a kangaroo kicker known for? Football would have been pretty low in my list. I would have had to be really thinking like, oh, what do you kick? What do you kick? Yeah, I would you have know? been getting RSPCA involved, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have been like, okay, serial killer because they always start with torturing animals. Yeah. Um, it would have taken me a while to get to football. So this is exciting. Uh, all right. Well, let me let me tell you about him. His uh, name, Patrick John O'Day. <laughs> We've got another John. We were doing John's in block. Oh my God, but yes. Patrick John O'Day was born March 16th, 1872 in the Victorian country town of Kilmore. Oh, I've been there. Mm. I hadn't, I hadn't been there before. I looked it up a bit. I got sidetracked a bit, actually. I see, You always see this turn off to Kilmore going down the Hume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the road from Melbourne to Sydney. And um, yeah, but I, I, I didn't know much about it. I looked it up and apparently it's, it's not a big population, 8,000 or something. Yeah, right. But I was looking into it, seeing if there are any other notable people who came from there. Apparently, Victoria's second premier, John O'Shaughnessy, was from there. Oh, cool. And uh, I found this great resource, which I guess is sort of like a, a political compendium or something. It's called wikipedia.org. Oh, yeah. Oh. And according, according to that website, it says the... I mean, this is totally off topic already, but the Irish-born Catholic O'Shaughnessy was the bane of the Protestant establishment in Melbourne and the ensuing, uh, ensuing secretarianism also affected those who lived in Kilmore. O'Shaughnessy supporters were referred to as O'Rowdies and O'Shaughnessy as the Rowdy King because he was Irish. O'Rowdies. Yeah, and they'd be depicted in like political cartoons as just like drunk Irishmen and a rabble because he was a Catholic wow. guy. Right, but he's obviously popular enough to be voted in as Premier. Well, he I mean, this this was before, apparently before there was like a, a party system in Victoria. So it was sort of, you'd get, he was popular enough in his electorate to make it. He, he actually, in this weird quirk, was elected in Kilmore and in Melbourne. Ah. And then he went, I'll represent Kilmore. And then 
Melbourne his seat had to have a by-election. Isn't that That's weird? very weird. Pretty haphazard system early on. Yeah. yeah. But then I, I guess he would just, you know, he had... He was a, a good enough politician to get enough support to become Premier. But it was really unstable in the early days. Um, and I think in part because of the Irish Catholic versus English Protestant tensions. Mm. Um, and holding the Premier's office became a real tug of war. The first Premier was English-born William Clark Haynes in 1855. He held the office for a year and a bit. Then O'Shaughnessy took over for 50 days <laughs> before <laughs> Haynes wrestled back control. For 316 days before O'Shaughnessy came back for another year and a half. This is literally wrestling it back. <laughs> yeah. Then a couple of other guys came in between for about a year and a half. And then O'Shaughnessy had his third and final stint uh, for a year and 226 days. So I don't Amazing. know if that's interesting. I just like, I went down that little rabbit hole there. I'm like, that's strange. I'd never heard of our, our first or second premiere. No. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know. Uh, which seems funny, especially because it was such a hectic kickoff yeah. to it all anyway so pardon the pun <laughs> <laughs> so O'Day was born in Kilmore he was the seventh child in a family of 11 too many have you got any questions in relation Ooh. to that I guess I just want to know like do they know what was causing it <laughs> I think back then they did not have the technology yet they're like another one what's going what's on here happening? there's something wrong with this I woman these humans inside oh, of me cursed yeah <laughs> Uh, his parents were Patrick Flannery O'Day, which has got to be one of the more Irish names out there. Beautiful. Uh, he was a squatter from Ireland, and he was he worked at a flour mill. And uh, Johanna, or, or Johanna, uh, nee Crosley, who was Victorian-born. So in 1880, the family moved to Melbourne after uh, Pat's dad died at the age of 49. Uh, so he, he started going to school in the suburbs of Melbourne, and was playing uh, Aussie Rules football while I was there. In those early days at home, he'd kick around a homemade football his brother Andy made, which was constructed from leather and a bull's bladder, which I think is how a lot of old footies started out. Yeah, just I like think so, yeah. Sheep's bladder or bull's bladder. Tie it up, blow it up, tie it off. Gross. Have a bloody kick. But, um, you know, it was like they, they, there was no waste back then. <laughs> You yeah, know? at the end of your kick to kick, you've got a snack. Yeah. <laughs> you've got a bull's bladder. What like are they doing with the bladders now? They're just snacking on them straight away. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, you've got to kick around your bladder first, it. soften it up a bit. Yeah. Earn your bloody <laughs> lunch. You've got to earn your bladder. I've always said that. Earn your bladder. Earn your bladder. Kids these days never earning their bladders. But of course, Matt, you very early on in this podcast did a history, a history of how Aussie Rules football came about. So people are more interested in finding out about that. That's a very early episode. Yeah, done, I think it was it? my first ever report, maybe episode yeah. two. Amazing. So, yeah, if you want to get the story, which would have been happening sort of alongside this story, mm. definitely check that out. It's, it's fascinating because I think we'll hear about it a bit later, but the American game at this point was in pretty early stages and it you could hardly recognise it from what it's become. Yeah, right. Uh, which would be the same for Australian football. Because they all kind of, I think, from, that was a long time ago, but episode two talked about how they all vaguely came from a similar... Uh, like a similar sport. Maybe, was it in rugby college in England or something? I can't remember yeah. if I talked about it, but Mangrook footy, which I think is it's better known now maybe than even six years ago whenever I was talking about it then, is, is also thought to be possibly, it's an indigenous sport, which Aussie rules football is, is quite similar to, and they think that uh, its roots come from there as well. You don't say. 
Did I mention that at the no, time? No, 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 no. I'm You're just like, thinking like... Oh, uh, yeah, I remember episode two. No, <laughs> God, no. I don't, remember, I don't remember five minutes ago. Kangaroo kicker, I think, is what we're talking about. <laughs> so anyway, so he's kicking around this home homemade bull's bladder footy. Uh, his brother Andy later claimed that an eight-year-old Pat was able to kick the ball 50 yards or about 45 metres. Easy. <laughs> and when he was 10, he could kick it 60 yards or 55 metres. Okay, yawn. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, 10-year-old, I guess not in Brazil. <laughs> right, because right now, what's considered like a big kick on the AFL field? There'd be AFL players who couldn't kick it that long at 55 metres. Well, they should be fired. I agree. <laughs> this 10-year-old can do it. Get me in there. <laughs> this 10-year-old in the 1800s could do can it with a, a ball player. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, apparently, the first time that O'Day came to the public's attention was on January the 3rd, 1888, when he risked his life to try and save a drowning woman. It was the middle of summer, and he was at Mordialic Beach when he saw that his friend's mum was struggling in the bay. He was 15 years of age. He swam out, brought her back to shore. He didn't kick her back in. He kicked her back in. <laughs> 55 metres. No, no worries, lady. I'm not swimming that, but I can tell you what I can do. Get on my boot. <laughs> Jumped up on a, on a boy. <laughs> Kicked her back. Kicked She's her like, back. can't we just have a rest on this boy? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, O'Day received a bronze medal for bravery from the Royal Humane Society. A bronze one? What? There was a silver and a gold that day, wasn't there? <laughs> Sorry, it? also, this guy and this lady saved people but better. Yeah. So, this lady actually saved three people at yeah. once. In world record time. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about so, that. You said an Australian record. And that record, woman was Dawn Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's really old. She's very old, but an amazing swimmer. Uh, O'Day was a star junior footballer, and his long kicking as well as his goal kicking were prominent features of his game. At the age of 20, he was recruited by the Melbourne Football Club who were then playing in the VFA, the Victorian Football Association. It's amazing that it took him to be 20 when at half that age he could kick better than probably all the other <laughs> yeah, players. Exactly. Um, they wanted you to have a bit more life experience. Back yeah, there, that's right. You know? Go on a gap year, mate, yeah. then come back. We'll talk about Leave a contract. Leave a little... You've got, you got a bit of growth to do <laughs> come emotionally. On. Yeah. Let me play. Oh, please. Now, we, kick it. we see you've got potential, mate, but we want you to live on. Yeah, come on, mate. Yeah, there's like a, an old school... Roller coaster thing, gotta be this high, yeah. mate. Sorry. <laughs> You've gotta be emotionally this mature. <laughs> you gotta go see the world. You mm. know? Go do Bali. Do you've, Thailand. You've been to Kilmore, you've been to Melbourne, but yeah. you know, have you been have to you been the been Sunshine Akuta? Coast? <laughs> okay, All the best players away. have been to the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. You gotta check out the sunny coast, mate. It's gorgeous. <laughs> the beaches. You could save three people in a day. <laughs> Then you might get a gold. Then talk to yeah. us. Yeah, that's right. Bronze. We don't. We don't. We don't see bronze around no. here. Fuck with bronze. You would be familiar with the Melbourne Football Club, uh, the oldest football club in Australia. They're also the eleventh oldest football club in the world, and the world's oldest now professional football club of any code. Apparently. Wow. Isn't that interesting. Why? Well, so the other ten just have faded away. Well, that no, they're all amateur clubs. Ugh. I think. Yeah. Amateur. Doing it for the love. Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the. Melbourne's also the reigning premiers in the AFL, having broken a 57-year premiership drought this year, uh, leaving the Saints with the longest current drought, having not won a premiership <laughs> since their inaugural 1966 premiership. But I believe... I believe too. We will. <laughs> <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon it's just around the corner. There are uh, 
AFLW players from uh, Melbourne who live in this very building. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. They're also, I mean, they're the one of the inaugural AFLW teams as well. Wow. Yeah. Do you hear them kicking? Yeah, I hear them kicking all night long. And I say, keep at it, girls. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. What kind of bladders are they kicking? Yeah. And they say, can you shut up and keep We're your dog? We're trying to kick here. Can you stop stomping around because you're playing with your dog? No. They're like, honestly, if you keep playing around with that dog, I see a little football inside yeah. of it. A little dog bladder. That's about right. Yeah. They're going to kick my dog. And you rightly kick- so. you got to do what you got to do to be the number one. You kick my dog. No good. Uh, so anyway, O'Day played for Melbourne. He played well. Back then they were known as the Red Legs, which I love. Right. So the Melbourne Red, Red Legs. Red Socks. Yeah, they're the demons now, but they used to be known as the Red, Red Legs. Red Legs. Bit of fun. Okay. Uh, writing for the Australian Dictionary of Biography, James Griffin writes... He was described by the Australasian as a fleet wingman. His high marking and prodigious drop kicks, often accurate from any angle, made him one of the cracks of the competition. I, I didn't like understand a word of that. <laughs> wow. As in like, this is great crack, that kind of Irish expression? No, just like, like you know, like crack squad. One of the best, I guess. This is okay. old timey language. Start nice. that again. He's a fleet. He's a fleet wingman. So a wingman, they, they sit on the outside on the of the centre. Yeah, on the wings. Okay. Yep. On the fleet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hi, he's, he was a high marker. Yes. Take, take big high marks. So a specky? So that you means, do a specky? You do a specky. That means catching the ball catching on the, the ball. full. That's right. Sorry. And that way you get to have a kick. Yes. So uh, sometimes you like you run up behind somebody else who's just tr- who's just standing around trying to also mark the ball and you run up and you jump on their back and then you mark it and they're like, oh, come on. I was trying to mark that I one. Was, I was in the right spot. <laughs> and, then the, and then the commentator Mama! goes, that's got to be the mark of the year. And the, the guy down below is like, oh, I put myself in the right uh, position. I had my hands ready in the marking position that mum taught me. So sometimes you get famous for being that person, though. I know Tism wrote a song. One of the famous big speckies ever was uh, Alex Jezelenko, yeah. the commentator. Jezelenko, you beauty! <laughs> exactly, in the 1970 <laughs> grand final, I think it was. Is that 1970? And then, um, so he, the guy he jumped on was Collingwood's uh, Graham Jerker Jenkins. Oof. And Tism wrote a song called The Back on Which Jezza Jumped. <laughs> <laughs> That's very That's all good. about Jerker Jenkins. That's crazy that that was in the 70s and it is still... Still in the vernacular or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And as somebody who was born in 1990, who has never paid that much attention to footy, for that to just be in my brain. Yeah, that is wild, that's isn't weird, it? That's weird, isn't it? That's, that's good commentary. And but- I was just yelling Jezelenko and then you sort of nodded like... <laughs> And the other bit, I was like, oh, yes, of course, you beauty. You beauty. <laughs> <laughs> but in fairness to Jezelenko, it is pretty easy to jump on someone's back when they are bent over, jerking it. <laughs> yeah. Which I imagine is why he yes. got that nickname. And That's... honestly, like, give the man some privacy. Come on, mate. Obviously, it's not the best spot to be jerking <laughs> it. Yeah, on the MCG on Grand Final Day. But, but you know, emotions run exactly. high. Exactly, you need to relax. you got to, like... <laughs> You know, you've got to get that energy out somehow. Of, do you think of horniness as an emotion? <laughs> is it not? The number one emotion. <laughs> is it not an emotion? What is horniness if not an emotion? <laughs> you you would know this, Matt. Is there, as a player, do they feel, is there a sense of shame if someone speckies on top of you? Is it a bit like, oh, no, let them jump on me? I think, well, I think it's just bad luck because, yep. you know, you're putting yourself in a in a spot there which is like, it's actually a pretty brave thing you're probably backing into a pack yeah yeah 
but so he's like, I'm actually the bravest guy out there. So yeah. you do, you, they do end up copying. I imagine from you know you see the mark of the year. They'll, they'll be joke. You see like commentators now who had Speckies taken over them in their playing days. They'll those clips will get played as you know. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> hey, you're, you're a stepladder, weren't you? That sort of. <laughs> but thing. how can you avoid it? <laughs> no, they, no, it's behind it's, you. And you're just doing your job of standing there trying to get the ball. Yeah. And somebody jumps all over you and you're the fool? Yeah. How ridiculous. Very silly. Fragile masculinity out of the game. <laughs> you don't get that in the AFLW. They say, oh, do you want a piggyback? Jump on, my friend. Here you go. It do you want to get it? Your turn. Very supportive I'll competition. I'll give you a boost. It's a game of piggybacks. Women. I don't think it's quite, it gets to quite that level, but they off the field. I don't think they're ever like sucked in. Yeah, <laughs> there was a, a a post recently of um, I think one of the clubs was the Eagles. West Coast lent their training equipment to some Crows players who were stuck because of quarantine. Oh, nice! So they like delivered gym equipment to their accommodation, at, like a different club. They just there's a real. It does feel like a whole different level of community in the AFLW. Women. Right, but hiding inside that gym equipment was an army. Yeah. They popped yeah. out and killed them in their sleep. It was so. the Trojan horse. <laughs> the Trojan in a treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, so O'Day, one of the cracks of the competition. Yes, which yeah. Which I believe to be a positive. Sentence we all understood. Yeah. Uh, like reading it back, it is, it's like, there's a lot of uh, lingo in there. Yeah. Uh, and some of it outdated. I actually, did, I did our it. listeners a big favor in asking you follow-up did. questions. Thank you so much for Thank that. Thank you. on a tangent. I pretended I knew. <laughs> Just nodded. Great crack. See, that's fragile masculinity out of the game. <laughs> I felt like I'd been marked on. <laughs> By words. <laughs> words it's, takes words, a screamer. Words is the only thing that would even look at you and think yeah. it could handle oh, me specking yeah. off the back of you. You would be dead. <laughs> <laughs> if someone, if someone tried to specky off you, that you'd be dead. Has ever, anyone ever been specky to death? <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing like a Looney just... Tunes. You were like the, you know, they become the human accordion. Walking off. Oh no! That's what happens. Jezzelenko. He's so small. What were you thinking? Jezzelenko, you better That's how that would go. Uh, so football writer Ben Collins wrote a great uh, feature article about O'Day, which I'll link to in the show notes. It was This was the article that brought my attention to his story. I don't think it's super well known. I tried to find if there was another podcast about this topic, but it seems like um, there hasn't been, which is weird because he was like, you know, in terms of football in America and Australia, very influential apparently, hmm. as I'll tell you about. Exciting. <laughs> but anyway, so Collins wrote this article uh, and I'll read from it here. The Redlegs capitalised on his versatility using the 183-centimetre player's unique skills at either end and on a wing. It's about my height. So, it's like, it'd be quite short as a footballer now, but I think back then that, that's, that's a tall. tall player, yeah. And also, he's on, at either end and on the wing, so yes, he's everywhere. He's everywhere, that's <laughs> right. Uh, though fast and capable of taking acrobatic marks, O'Day was remembered for his prodigious Backflip. kicking. He <laughs> <Yeah>. did <laughs> a backflip, catch it. Hit the ground, another flip. You're like, I can't get this guy. What's happening? It's honestly ridiculous. Is this illegal? <laughs> He's going from one end to the other on a trapeze. <laughs> What's going on? I can't get him. I just don't think they're allowed dirt bikes out there. <laughs> I just don't think so. Is that in the rule? It's not not in the rule. Yeah. <laughs> they played for the Melbourne Krusty Demons. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> uh, 
But he so he was particularly known for his drop kick. He could kick a really long drop kick, which doesn't exist in the game anymore. But it's when what the drop punt took over from it, the oh, drop okay. kick was you're basically kicking it. I think as the ball hits the ground, whereas a drop punt now you kick it before the ball hits the ground. Right. But I think you can a drop kick would go further than a drop punt, but it's is a it, lot less accurate. Is it still allowed? But still allowed, but no people. One. Yeah, I don't think anyone's done it in a game for like it maybe in my lifetime. Bring it back. Yeah, bring it back. I'd love to see it brought back. And and maybe while we're at it, stop my brother from calling me a drop kick all the time. <laughs> Can we take it out of my family's like vocabulary and just put it back on the field Not where it belongs? Oh, I'd prefer to be called a drop punt. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? Oh, that's fine. Punt. Yeah, that's okay. Thank you. Rhyming slang? No. <laughs> no, no. Um, he was abnormally long-legged. And long-legged? Long-legged. Abnormally long-legged, and he attributed much of his power to his eye-catching follow-through, in which his right kicking leg extended well above his head, oh. while his left foot rose about 20 centimetres off the turf. Oof. So you can sort of picture him, he's sort of... A real Taylor Harris. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly, yeah. I think Taylor Harris is the modern-day kicking kangaroo. Yeah. No, kangaroo kicker. The, kangaroo mo- kicker. the modern day O-Day. <laughs> yeah, the modern O-Day. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's actually very nice. Things are just falling in our lap oh, today. <laughs> today is so easy. So easy. <laughs> this podcast today has been so easy. It's been so a dream. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so easy. We, uh, this podcast is standing there and we are just jumping all over its We're back. We're jumping all over. We are specking all over this podcast. <laughs> We're specking this podcast to death. Yeah. <laughs> In 1894, O'Day was named as an emergency for the Victorian team and was instrumental in Melbourne finishing runner-up. So he's not quite hitting the full heights, but he's mm-hmm. he's doing great work. Um, while O'Day was kicking goals on the field, he wasn't quite as successful off it. Apparently, he was keen to study law at Melbourne University at that point, a relatively new institution, having been founded in 1853. Unfortunately... He failed the entrance exam on each of his three attempts. Couldn't spell law. <laughs> How's wow. he spelling it? L-O-R-E. Wow. Yeah. He's like, it's, I just want to talk about dragons yeah. and stuff. So, can I come in? And they're like, no. <laughs> no. You want a Bachelor of Law. This is the Bachelor of Law. Yeah, that's what I want, a Bachelor yeah. of Law. No, 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 no. Have you seen how long my legs are? <laughs> Let me in. <laughs> I'll stun the jury <laughs> with my long legs. Objection, Your Honour. He's got really long legs. It's distracting. Uh, so at the same point, his older brother Andy was travelling overseas. Uh, not only was Andy a handy homemade football maker. Andy, Andy. He was also a decent sportsman himself and was travelling as a trainer for the Australian heavyweight boxing champion Paddy Slaven. Uh, Slaven trained under the father of Australian boxing. This is another small rabbit hole I went down. Uh, his name was Larry Foley, who also trained Boxing Hall of Famer Peter Jackson, the only Canadian-born world heavyweight boxing champion Tommy Burns, and British boxer Bob Fitzsimmons, who was boxing's first three-division world champion. Wow, amazing that Peter Jackson could direct those films and make suits. <laughs> no, as yeah. well as box. As well as box. He could do all. it all. What a guy. How long has this guy been And write that great jingle. Yeah. Peter Jackson. I've got to show you. I mean, obviously, this is an audio medium, but what are you picturing? Boxer from the 18, late 1800s? 
Let me show you Paddy Slavin. Is he wearing a suit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of That's course. a real... Stick them up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Put them up. Put them up. Hey, hey. That's I've, a poster that would be in like a, in a pub or something. Yeah. You know, like it would be like a vintage poster and you'd be like, oh, I don't know who that guy is. Paddy Slavin, that's who it is. Right. Yeah. No one has known who it is for no. many decades. Yeah. He looks like he's, it's like on a Carlton draft yeah, ad or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. But he's got the mustache, thick mustache with a little twirl at the yeah. end. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't want to mess with him. No. He's got the build of like a tough kangaroo. Um, <laughs> if that helps listeners picture him a bit better. I'll post a photo of him at some point on the social media. Um, but yeah, he, he's like, he was a well, he was the Australian champion and went toe-to-toe with Peter Jackson a few times. Wow. I'm trying to research uh, the kangaroo kicker and all of a sudden I'm looking into the history of, of boxing. Yeah. There's a lot going on in this story. <laughs> Anyway, Andy O'Day travelled with Slaven as he toured England and then to the United States of America. Wow. At the end of the tour, Andy ended up staying in America and was appointed as rowing coach at the University of Wisconsin. So this guy could do it all. Is he just good at all sports? I think he's just good at everything, yeah. Hate those people, to be honest. His rig just must have been so sick. They went, you can do whatever you want. Sick rig. My God, look at that sick rig. Oh my goodness, you want to row? You want to box? You want to row? What do you want to do? What you can to... have it. You're my wife? Sure. <laughs> you want this house? Yours. Look at that rig. A rig like that, oh my yeah. God. It's I'd, mesmerizing. I'd be ashamed to not let that rig have this house. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't live with myself. Despite Andy telling his little brother Pat to stay back home, Pat arrived unannounced <laughs> at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Stay away. Don't. Let me have this. No. <laughs> no. I'm the kangaroo kicker. Yeah. As yet. Yeah. Not soon. nicknamed, but soon to be. Will, I'm the soon to be kangaroo kicker. How dare you? I again got distracted uh, when I was going through <laughs> the University of Wisconsin-Madison's uh, notable alum section, of which Pat O'Day is one. Oh, yeah. But others on the list include the Joker, the Smoker, the Midnight Toker, Steve <laughs> Miller. Oh, my goodness. Some people, you might know him as Maurice, but that... <laughs> Um, isn't the case Uh, also uh, alum there was Nevermind producer and garbage drummer Butch Vig airplane directors the Zucker brothers Milo from the Descendants that wasn't where he went to college but he studied there later Uh, astronaut Laurel Clark and previous report topic Charles Lindbergh I hadn't heard of the university but apparently it's one one of the many big Famous American universities, so I guess. Universities. Jeez, they love to study. God, they love it. They love to learn over there. And the whole college system makes a lot of sense and is good for everyone. Well, that's good to, good yeah. news. I don't know much about it, but that is reassuring. Mm. Mm. Not a lot of upfront costs, which oh, I think is God. great. That is good. Love that. Which is really good. University costs are on your mind at the moment for Fuck. some reason. <laughs> a big old tax bill, that's yeah. why. Going back to do your PhD. Yeah, yeah I'm going, yes, that's why. Going to do my PhD. Pretty hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go do my... Anyway. Um, I'm going to go eat a pretty hot dog. <laughs> a pretty hot dog. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Onions. Onions. <laughs> uh, mustard. But it's like aesthetically it. pleasing. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's it looks like, like it was drawn a, in a cartoon. It's a really pretty hot dog and I'm going to eat it. And you're borrowing money from the government to eat it. Yes. It's an expensive, pretty hot dog. <laughs> I learned recently, have I said to this to you before, the term hot dog came from a, a an American cartoon, so a, like a, a 
a guy in a, like a strip cartoon in the newspaper where he, it was just like a cartoon of a dog in a barn or something. It was called a hot dog. And then it just caught on from there. Isn't that weird? That is weird. I love that. Because I'm always like, where, how did, where did that come from? Hot dog. Apparently a cartoon. Some sort of little joke that huh. I, I don't know if it translates I now. Yeah, I don't really get it. I don't know. If, I mean. Why? Because why I mean, would it, that picture make sense if the term hot dog already didn't already exist? You must, know? Yeah. Do they just call them? <laughs> what do they call them? Hotties. Yes, they were. They were like Vena, whatever they were called. Vena. Bratwurst and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, right. Called. And then they put like a dog in there and went, <laughs> this is pretty funny. Look at this hot dog. Although, I've just, I mean, I've just done a quick Google and this says, originally US college slang, probably influenced by a popular belief that the sausages contain dog meat, okay. which makes more sense to me. Right. Then I can see why. A and then maybe the cartoon would, came in after yeah, that do and popularized. A, do a parody term, of that being like, oh yeah, you're that, that sausage you're eating is actually dog. So there, that was a popular food, even when people thought it had dog meat in it. I mean, yeah. I don't understand people drawing the line. But I won't eat. I won't eat a dog meat. Yeah. I'll I'll happily eat a goat or something. Mm. You know, what's the difference to, between a go a goat and a dog? Hey, to you? don't look at me. I don't eat meat. There we mm. go. I'll answer this one. <laughs> You'd eat, eat either, wouldn't you? I would not eat a dog, unless it was hot. <laughs> Get a dog would up your Would you eat days. a cat? No, I think largely poisonous meat. I believe. Okay. All right. That was a test. Thank you. Would you eat a polar bear? No, I believe they're endangered. Dave, okay. I'm back on uh, this great... Uh, also, I think if you eat their liver, you get a that's bad of poisonous. Too. It's a great resource called wikipedia.org that I think I mentioned before. Thanks so much. It says, in Germany, the consumption of dog meat was common in Saxony, Silesia, Anhalt and Bavaria during the 19th and 20th centuries. Oh, no, that's my family lineage. <laughs> So maybe it makes sense. The suspicion that sausages contained dog meat was occasionally justified. Oh. Uh, an early use of the term hot dog in reference to the sausage meat appears in the Evansville, Indiana Daily Courier in 1884. Ever the innocent Wienerwurst, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with the V sound, Wienerwurst, man will be barred from dispensing hot dog on the street corner. Uh, was that the caption of the cartoon? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, have I been... Oh, no, here's a cartoon here. From... Anyway, w w this is a sidetrack that's not required. A cartoon by Tad. Check it out if you want to. Tad. From 1916. Good work, Tad. We are off topic. Uh, so, yeah, we're talking about uh, uh, O'Day. He's arrived... To visit his brother at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. I wonder if we've got any listeners from the yeah. University of Wisconsin. Um, so he was sort of settling in there at his brother's uni just for a visit. He went out for a kick of the footy. And according to Collins, when the wannabe lawyer had a casual kick of the American ball on campus, it caused such a commotion among awestruck onlookers that he'd thought he'd committed a public offence. <laughs> You've kicked it too far. <laughs> Arrest that boy. <laughs> Uh, the university's football coach was so impressed that the 24-year-old Australian was swiftly offered a chance to study law on the condition he also joined the football squad. Now, you kicked that ball real far. Want to be a lawyer? <laughs> yes, that's exactly that's, what yeah, I want to be. Yeah, that worked out quite oh, well, man. actually. Oh, I mean, they still do that now, don't they? Offering scholarships to someone just because they're really good at sport. <laughs> yeah, so far, that's 
yeah. But, it, like, it's funny that, um, like, Melbourne Uni didn't take him up on that. Obviously, the sport, <laughs> Melbourne Uni sport isn't as a high priority, maybe. But, like, American colleges and, and football and stuff is huge. Yeah, and it was particularly huge at the time because the NFL was still decades away from being formed. Mm. And at the time, college football was the game's elite level. Wow. So, this is a, a big deal. He's basically basically signed to the top level because someone saw him have a kick oh. in the For park. For a game he's never played. Yeah, exactly. In a country he's never been <laughs> yeah, in. He's That's, just briefly oh. been there. And he's just gone outside for a kick. <laughs> yeah. A very normal oh. thing for, like, young Australian <laughs> men to do especially. Nice day, go kick the footy. Yeah. And now he's got he's going to college for a law degree. I feel terrible for the current kicker though. <laughs> like, oh no, I've trained my whole life for this, and then just casually kicks it twice as far. Yeah, and he's like, "Is that good? Like, is that good in this game?" Oh, I wasn't trying. Oh, sorry, I'm a bit rusty. Just got off a plane. Probably got off a boat. Have you got any bladders I can practice on? Uh, so Pat became a student at uh, UW. And a member of their football team, Go Badgers. Go Badgers. <laughs> uh, you might assume that they are called the Badgers because Badgers are endemic to the era or something like that, but apparently not, at least according to wikipedia.org, okay. which says the team's nickname originates in the early history of Wisconsin. In the 1820s and 1830s, prospectors came to the state looking for minerals, primarily lead. Uh, without shelter in the winter, the miners had to live like badgers in tunnels burrowed into the hillsides. So that's where they oh. get the name from. Go badgers. Go badgers. <laughs> Go badgers. <laughs> Go back to your hole, badgers. <laughs> I went down another quick rabbit hole reading about their mascot. Badger hole. Badger hole. Oh, sorry. <laughs> How offensive. Oh, dear. Um, apologies to any UW listeners. Oh, rabbit hole. How dare you? <laughs> Um, it, apparently their mascot's named Buckingham U Badger or Bucky Badger for short. Okay. I hate that. Oh, I like it. I nah. didn't like Buckingham, but Bucky Badge. Bucky Badge. Bucky That's the Badge fun. is all right. Uh, I, the, the only thing I really want to talk to you about is, uh, portraying the, the Badger. You know, the job, you're in the suit at the games and whatever. Love it. Uh, it's an unpaid student position. Of course. But apparently <laughs> the audition part is grueling. <laughs> This is according to that great resource, wikipedia.org, once again. Tryouts include tests of dancing skills, expressiveness in suit, ability to work with props, and the number of push-ups a candidate can do, as well as an interview and the ability to write and perform an original skit. What? In the suit? I guess so. Yeah, it's pointless having an expressive face, so you've got to be expressive in suit. Are they doing lots of push-ups in the suit? Apparently, I think it, when they score, the team scores after do a certain amount of push-ups. Oh, okay. And I saw there was someone held some record of doing more than a thousand one game. Bucky Badge. Because they scored so much. Do they stop the whole game? Just push-ups <laughs> the whole time? In a suit like that, you'd be sweating your ass so off. It's an unpaid position, but will you get a scholarship to do law? Apparently, no scholarship or anything as well. The fuck so is the point? Obviously, the glory you of can't, being Bucky People don't Bunch. even know you. I mean, your face is... If you're doing it for the fame... Like, you go to a local bar and all the men and women, you can pick up. It's like, you know, Bucky Badge? That's me in that suit. Maybe oh, my like, goodness. <laughs> maybe like, barkeep, settle my tab. <laughs> I'm taking this man home. <laughs> you're taking Bucky home? The tab's on me. Yeah. yeah. Hey, no charge. People are fighting over to pay for Bucky's yeah. tab. Bucky... Uh, the Bucky 
team. So I think a few different people at any one time are playing Bucky. They attend a mascot training camp every year in August. And they perform throughout the year, including at athletic events, but also at ceremonies, parades, festivals, weddings, and even the occasional funeral. <laughs> weddings and funerals. I'm putting this on the record. <laughs> I do not want Bucky at my funeral. Okay. okay. Even if he's written a particularly good skit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm poor. I would prefer to, to see the skit ahead of time <laughs> to determine whether or not. I'll leave that up to you. If you think it is a good enough skit to be performed at my funeral. Have you seen the, the Twitter account? Is it Twitter or Instagram? But there's an account that's um, sporting mascots at minute silences. So, you know, they've got this, they've normally got this big grin plastered on their face. Yeah. The rest of the team is sort of lined up in a row with their heads down and the mascots at the end. <laughs> grin Still like in. a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> So That's really stuff. funny. And now a minute of push-ups. <laughs> That's what they would have wanted. How many push-ups could you do in a minute? No, I mean just like I mean it wasn't a timed thing for the Bucky trial. Yeah, I've been over a few hours. Yeah, that's true. So how many? You never you said there was a time limit. <laughs> you wait for me. I'm just catching yeah. my breath. <laughs> I've done one so far. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't say stop. You, if I didn't you say wanted, stop the count. If you wanted me to do like a heap of them in a minute, maybe you should have been a little clearer, but it's too late for that. I've started my way. Yeah, <laughs> I've done a push-up. Now I'm writing a skit. Yeah, okay. I'm doing a little dance while I write. I can multitask. <laughs> I'm collecting props. Mm. There's a lot of things i got to do, and I'm showing you that I can do I'm them all. I'm so busy. It's not easy being Bucky. <laughs> Uh, you're not actually Bucky yet. Wow. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Well, I've legally yeah. changed my name, so <laughs> it's going to be embarrassing if you don't. For you, it's going to be embarrassing for you <laughs> if you don't give me this part. Did you know this? In 2006, Bucky was inducted into the mascot Hall of Fame college I knew division. Yeah, of course I knew that. Great Did work, you Bucky. know this? There's a mascot Hall of Fame. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can uh, affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah, it was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit he, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. 
Anyway, so that's sorry, another sidetrack. But I'll, let's get back to Patio Day. So when he arrived at UW, is UW shorter than University of Wisconsin to say? Yes, it is. Great. Glad I figured that out in real time. When O'Day arrived at UW... And is it is Madison? Madison, yeah. Is that same James Madison that everything I else guess is it, named Yeah, after? it must be, I assume. God, he's just, he's just throwing his name everywhere, oh, Come he? on, Mad Dog. Pew, pew, pew. I think this Square is... Square Gardens <laughs> Avenue University Place. Oh, this guy. That's ridiculous. Uh, don't call me baby. <laughs> So, I think Madison is like the key campus for UW. 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 Oh, that's even better. That's way better. I only I only asked about if it was briefer because, you know, WWW is, takes longer <laughs> to say than World Wide Web. Yeah. <laughs> I had that in my head. That's fun. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll sh- shorten it to three letters. Oh, easy. <laughs> WWW. Anyway, um, so when he arrived... The Badgers had only been playing football for a few years. Uh, they played their first games in 1889, losing them both. Um, Losers. So they only played two games. They played two games in their first year, yeah. Okay. But they, they played more as, as time went on. <laughs> uh, and they improved over the following years. But it seems O'Day's arrival heralded a mini golden age for the Badgers. His arrival coincided with the formation of the Big Ten Conference in 1896 when Wisconsin became the first ever conference champion with seven wins, one loss, and one tie. Griffin writes, The kicking kangaroos, punts, and drops electrified the Midwest fans and changed the emphasis of gridiron from bone-crushing power plays to cleaner ball handling and frequent kicking. So, uh, yeah, it was quite a different game back then. According to Collins, though, uh, I'll mention that shortly, but according to Collins, uh, O'Day almost didn't even make it onto the field. Uh, One afternoon... In April 1896, he trained with Andy's rowing crew and both of them were lucky to escape with their lives when a squall swamped their boats. A squall? A squall. Where are they? I don't know where they're rowing. What's Picturing a squall? A, isn't it like a... That's like a, a storm. Are you trying Water to say, storm. trying to say squirrel? <laughs> squirrel. Whenever you say you're trying to say, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh my God, my whole world's about to turn upside down. Isn't it a squall's like oh, a... I just don't know. I've never heard that. Isn't it like some sort of like a sea storm or something? Yeah, I don't oh, know the, the big de- the definite definition, but it sounds nasty. It doesn't sound good at all. Yeah, I pick, when I think of rowing, I'm picturing like on a on a very pleasant river or yeah, lake. Yeah, on a very pleasant man-made river. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Pat was clinging to both his vessel, but also a crewmate who couldn't swim. Oh, shit. And you're on the rowing team. Yeah. That feels like you should mm. probably know yep. how to swim. Not uh, not victim blaming, just saying maybe be a little more comfy around water. That's right. I mean, the fact that a someone who tries out to be the mascot has to do a skit, has to do all of these yeah. push-ups, but the rowing person doesn't know how to swim. That can, seems backwards I to me. I can sit on water. <laughs> maybe more you're more motivated to be a fast rower and get back to land. You know? Yeah, that's true, actually. Yep. Maybe that was the You're terrified the whole time. (laughs) Ah! Ah! It's everywhere! Use that. Use that energy. (laughs) The faster you row, the faster you will be back on land. Okay. Use that energy. Which energy? The terror or the horniness? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because I am a rock hard. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get out of the the canoe. Because people will know. This is one of those uh, inappropriate riffs before someone dies. But uh, through sheer exhaustion in the cold water, O'Day eventually lost his grip and the other rower drowned. 
Ugh. That's uh, awful. Okay, we did not know that. No. Obviously, no, you didn't. I did, and I enabled you, and I apologize. But also learned to swim. Uh... A rescue party finally arrived after two hours. <gasps> Understandably, the traumatic experience discouraged O'Day from rowing and he focused more on football after that. After his first game of college football, O'Day suffered a broken arm at practice. <gasps> he got injured a bit. It was like, this is, you know, it's a real slim gym. And it was a you know, pretty brutal game, even back then, I believe. Uh, but in his first game back, he caused a sensation at the Chicago Coliseum Indoor Stadium when he rocketed a punt kick that became stuck in the roof beams. Whoa. That's we- awesome. Yeah. Doesn't seem ideal. But, no, it's a but pain it'd, in the butt. it'd be hard to do. Yeah. It's annoying because they only had one ball. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Fucking hell. Anybody got a bladder? <laughs> Anyone got a ladder? <laughs> uh, pretty big ladder, admittedly. Um O'Day quickly adapted to the American code, which in its formative years uh, perfectly suited his skills. Forward passes weren't yet legalized, so the game more resembled rugby. Now the quarterback, big part of the game is a throwing game. Back then you couldn't do that. So kicking was the way to move the ball forward, apparently. And you know how now you're saying like as a kicker, like Sav Rocker goes over there. Just kicks it, doesn't do yes. anything else. At the time, is he still in the scrums and being... Well, yeah, he's, he, he was playing full back, so he had a, a much more active role. Wow. Yeah. Um, hence the broken arm. That's fair. And also, different to now, back then, field goals were worth five points and touchdowns only four points. So... Okay. It was really valuable. Uh, his, his skills were really valuable. At and the what time. are they worth now? They're now worth uh, three points for a field goal and... Six points for a touchdown. Right. Uh, and a touchdown, you get a shot, you get to kick a conversion or whatever. I don't know what they call them after that, but you get to think... kick a goal, giving you seven, probably seven points usually. I don't think if you'd asked me how many points is a touchdown, I, I don't think I would have known. I would have been guessing. Yeah. I mean, I've been watching a lot of it yeah. recently and I wouldn't have, <laughs> probably wouldn't have put my life on the line either. <laughs> well, you've been watching a lot, but drinking a lot at the same time i've also mainly i've been watching because <laughs> the games are, it's normally like a weird time to be drinking but just yeah. on thanksgiving day a few weeks back i happened to have a massive bender <laughs> while the games were on and then tragically you weren't able to make our live podcast when we screened the mummy which yeah. you can hear on patreon so instead we had to sub in amazingly we we're able to book the writer slash director of the mummy Stephen summers yeah matt you would have loved to meet you him you would have loved him yeah he was a lot of fun he knew a lot bit uh, of a loose unit yeah he <laughs> listened back a little bit and uh couldn't listen to too much because for some reason it made me cringe um <laughs> but it was funny how much he sounded like me yeah. It is interesting, actually. Because yeah. I thought, because he's from Indiana, he kept saying. Yeah. <laughs> After, like, seemingly looking at his phone or something to double check. Yeah. It was weird. It was yeah, lots of, lots of pauses before he remembered his own name. Yeah. Strange guy. Was, but, uh, but, it was, you know, but a but, boon for the podcast oh, to have him. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of fun. So that's phrasing the bar a on great, Patreon. A great get for us. <laughs> yeah. So, but obviously your loss. Yeah, no, I shouted not to, to be able to get there. Uh, but it was a fun day either way. Um, so, yeah, so... He's, he's kicking goals on the field now. Um, he As a kicker, he could dominate. The American ball was also rounder back then, less pointy, I guess, because oh, it, yeah. it wasn't a throwing ball as much. More bladder-like. More bladder-like. It was more similar to an Australian football at the time, so it was more conducive to drop kicking. Yep. Uh, in his four years at UW, O'Day was a revelation and became captain in his final two years. Huh. So he, 
He went straight to the top there. According to Collins, he smashed all of the game's kicking records, producing extraordinary efforts of precision and power with drop kicks, punts, and place kicks from his, quote, educated toe. (laughs) (laughs) That toe... That's got a tertiary education. Yeah, with honours. <laughs> yeah. Now that toe could get into Melbourne Uni Law. Yeah. Okay. Come back to us when your toe wants to sit the exam. Honestly, it's often the way that, you know, in Australia, you've got to go overseas to prove yourself before you get respect back home. It's absolutely true. It's really disappointing. Tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. Really ruining it for a lot of toes. I remember that happened with Madison Avenue. They had to yes. get that big hit. Don't call me baby. And then we were like, ours. Yeah. On, yeah. Madison Avenue, ours. They're ours. ours. One of ours. New Zealand, ours. <laughs> <laughs> they did well overseas. Yeah, New Zealand's doing pretty well. Ours. ours. We'll take them. Anything from New Zealand, we'll take it. Uh, the Badgers fullback, O'Day, became the most dangerous player in the game, launching oh, the he's long... he's got a knife. Yeah. <laughs> knife on the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't until he got over there that they outlawed knives on the field. They were like, we that? didn't think we need to put them in the rules, but... but apparently we do, because there's this weird Australia with a knife. Um, you said that with the same sort of tone you would say, bird in the classroom. <laughs> yeah. There's a bird in the classroom. Knife on the field. <laughs> I like that there's a special tone for bird yeah. in the classroom. Oh, yeah. Do you know I was thinking about the other day? Sorry to um, derail here, but you know, like... The phrase fucking hell yeah. sounds silly the way I just said it, doesn't it? Yeah. Because in Australia, it has its own melody. Right. And fucking hell. Yeah. Or even like, fucking hell. Fucking you know, it's like, hell. Yeah. yeah. And it's also, it's a fuck, not a fuck. Fucking. But like a British, like, fucking hell. That sounds fuck. ridiculous. It's a fucking hell, that you know? That sounds classy and beautiful, I think. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Could picture maybe... Uh, Poirot's offside of saying it. Yeah. I say, oh. fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Hastings would never. <laughs> Good Lord. Good Lord, look at her, Poirot. That's a, he's a real perv. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I say. Wow, Hastings. He's always been taken in by the uh, beautiful woman who sometimes... It's the killer. <gasps> Hastings, you stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he is a little silly. Yeah. Sometimes. But... But very brave when I, needed. He's written into the show, right? So Poirot is someone to explain things to. Yeah, it's exposition. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, for idiots like you. <laughs> it's for dummies. Like us, right? <laughs> yeah, like you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he became the most dangerous player in the game, both for his knife, but also <laughs> um, his big kicking. He launched the longest known ever drop kicked field goal with a 62 yard bomb on the run in a blizzard None of that. which sounds impossible blizzard I in understood. a blizzard <laughs> so he's got a knife and then he's got a bomb he's unhinged he's a terrorist yeah like we're talking about this guy like he's a hero he's unhinged <laughs> to kick an accurate 62 yard running drop kick so that's over 50 in a meters. blizzard yeah 56.7 apparently <laughs> and Whoa. and the longest ever then or still the longest Well, the way now. this is written, it feels like it's the longest record. I think because they don't really, they don't do running drop kicks yeah. anymore. So it probably... Not super relevant But to now. kick it uh, through the blizzard accurately at that distance, that's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. On the run, like I'd be yeah. lucky to make contact with the ball. <laughs> On the run? But yeah, I'm no. also not a professional footballer in any sense of the Yet. word. So. Yet. I'm, I'm trying to educate that toe, but 
It just won't listen. I currently have a bruise on my ankle here. Oh, from- Jess, that's a tattoo. <laughs> Oh, shit. I was going to say, it's in the shape of satin. How cool is that? Um, that's just from kicking a, a soccer ball for my dog and kicking it incorrectly. Ow. And I've got a, bru- a massive bruise on my leg. Was it in a blizzard? Yeah, that's why I brought this up. Um, you know, because you're like, I wouldn't even make contact with my foot. I would, but like not the right part yeah. of my body. But something would make contact with that ball. No accuracy, of course, but um, but at least power. you make contact. Yeah, make contact. Oh, it easily went sixty-two yards, just sideways. Yeah. Uh, O'Day believed his greatest goal, which has been hailed as quote the most impressive, uh, the most impro- which has been hailed as quote the most impossible kick in football history, was a match-winning fifty-five-yard or fifty-meter place kick into a howling crosswind. As he lined up, the referee said he was crazy for even considering it. <laughs> the ref's like, "Mate, you're wasting your time. What are you doing? Let's let's. You're not. You can't kick it. Let's go. As if, as if you can do it. Stop wasting my time. <laughs> Got a cup of tea over there waiting for me. Uh, once he even roosted a punt kick that sailed with wind assistance 110 yards, the full length of the field, over 100 meters. And he roosted it. He roosted it. That means kick it big. Wow. Means kick it with your dick. (laughs) No, that's rooted it. (laughs) Watch me root this ball. (laughs) Uh, It was said that O'Day could curve a football as pitchers curve a baseball and hit a five-yard target at 80 metres. Like, he could just make the ball move. Wow, he could bend it like Beckham. He could bend it like Beckham, exactly. Wow. That's amazing. Is that what they said? That's what they said. And people were like, who's Beckham? He hasn't been invented wow, yet. He's been, he was like uh, foretold yes. when he came along. Yeah, in the scriptures. Yeah, Beckham well, was foretold. One day, Beckham and number seven will come along. Uh, Collins goes on to say that it's little wonder that the father of American football, Walter Camp, selected O'Day in the All-American teams of 1898 and 99. Uh, he was the first Western States player to achieve the honour. Wow. Camp declared the Aussie... Uh, quote, put the foot in football and uh, also put the spring in Springfield. Um, <laughs> it was suggested in a half-page newspaper cartoon that O'Day's right leg had become as iconic as the right arm of world champion boxer John Boston Strongboy Sullivan. <laughs> so, that I mean, that says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Wow, Say that, no more. And that is absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> Report over. Absolutely nominative... T- Determinism. Yeah. Strongboy became a boxer. Yeah. Unbelievable. Boston Strongboy, that's his middle name. Amazing. Well, that's a great... Strongboy. <laughs> that's one of my favourite ever nicknames. Do you want me to call you Boston Strongboy? Yeah, could you? Yeah, BS for short. <laughs> Boston Strongbun. Strongbun. Strongbuns. You do have strongbuns. <laughs> I have strongbuns. Watch me bun this ball. <laughs> like Poirot, I can carry a coin wedged between my buttock. <laughs> a heavy coin. <laughs> Uh, so these exploits led him to receiving the nickname <laughs> the Kangaroo Kicker, right? Which I think has it settled in now. You, oh, big fan! I think still I, think he's a serial killer. Yeah. I think that's a twist that's coming that I've probably ruined <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by nailing it. I, there is a twist that, yeah, but I like it. It's a, definitely like a low-level criminal, but um, huh. I don't know if that's allegedly. Maybe uh, the people loved him, writing poems and songs in his honour. Leading up to an 1898 Thanksgiving Day game against Michigan, uh, one of them, one of the songs, 
included Oh Pat O'Day, uh, which was sung to the popular tune at the time, Marjorie. And it went, oh, I, I couldn't find the original song, so I don't know the tune. I'll just uh, talk oh, out Pat some of these. O'Day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> The balls, the, the balls, balls are kicking. <laughs> uh, it goes, oh, Pat O'Day, oh, Pat O'Day, we love you more and more. Oh, Pat O'Day, oh, Pat O'Day, you're the boy that we adore. Your leg is ever sure and true and always kicks a goal or two. The team and rooters worship you, oh, Pat O'Day. <laughs> wow. That's the dream to have the rooters worship uh, you. Oh, yeah, you want the rooters on your side, that's for sure. I wonder, is that still an American term, I wonder? Rooters. Beautiful. That's so beautiful. So beautiful. Imagine having the rooters worship you. That's a dream. Dream come true. Yeah. Uh, not only did he have a super boot, O'Day was also super quick, using his pace to return a kickoff for a 90-yard touchdown in an 1899 game. So he's also he's run, run the length of the field, basically, to score a touchdown. And in that same game, he also kicked four field goals. He was a freak. Wow. Uh, it's a wild idea watching the modern game. The kicker's will come all the punters two different roles now he's i think he was sort of doing them all as well as being on the field in general play um but in the modern game a kicker or the punter will kick and then go off the ground go off and have a smoke going off yeah they probably have a nap <laughs> have an orange and that that's the role the punters is the role that most australians go over to play because i guess we just learn to kick from a young age and that's just I guess most American kids aren't going, I want to be that bit part player on the team. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a dream. You get paid millions of dollars to kick and then sit down. <laughs> yeah. That is a dream. No one's, like, crushing you. Yeah. 180 kilo man isn't jumping on top of you. This is fantastic news. There was a there was a play that made the news a little bit a few years ago when one of the Australian punters made a tackle after he kicked. <laughs> and people were like, they don't normally do that. <laughs> He's like, oh, I used to play a game where you did all the bits. That's really funny. <laughs> he wasn't even wearing the pads. <laughs> yeah. He didn't have shoes on. <laughs> He'd actually been off the field. <laughs> he was just putting his little eye mask on for his nap. And he thought, oh, I could get him. So he did. <laughs> he tackled a streaker. <laughs> <laughs> These security wusses couldn't get him. Yeah, that is for There's a, a, a number of uh, instances where an Australian sports person on the field tackled a, a streaker or like there's that time when uh, there was a streaker in a cricket game and the, the batsman hit him in the nads with his bat <laughs> or uh, or that time when uh, the pig was on the field and that Sydney player tackled it. Yeah, that's right. It's, that'd make a great compilation video. Yeah, beautiful. And But also <laughs> over the top of it, you have to be playing like waltzing Matilda yeah. or something and it's one of those videos you watch when you're overseas and you're a bit homesick <laughs> and just yeah just the commentary and stuff cut together becomes our new national yeah, anthem yeah well, it's so beautiful god bless us my culture uh, so he wasn't only quick on the football field though uh, he, he was also uh, on the athletics team at what? the university as a hurdler and at one point held the 300 metre hurdles world record what what is is he studying law as well? And he's also studying law. This guy's ridiculous. Uh, amazing. So, like I said before, he was, he was relatively slim for a footballer, and and that led to him being frequently injured, uh, as he was also a big weapon. So the other teams would yeah, target him physically right. as well. This physical threat led to an emotional plea from his old Melbourne uh, neighbour, 
none other than famed opera singer Dame Nellie Melba. What? He just lived next door to it. Yeah, they were just Melbourne neighbours growing up, so... She lived in Melbourne? Well, this is... I'll, yeah, I, I didn't really realise that either, but um, this is what uh, was written about the time. This physical threat to his well-being led to an emotional plea from his former neighbour in Melbourne, the famous singer Dame Nellie Melba. According to Collins... When the prominent pair met up after one of her shows in Chicago, it was reported that Melba sought by every means to secure his promise that he would never again risk his life and limb in that game she called the brutal football game you are playing here in America. (laughs) That brutal football game. Melba was born Helen Porter Mitchell and apparently took uh, took on the pseudonym Melba as a shortening of her hometown of Melbourne. I didn't realise it. It seems obvious now. I just thought it was a weird coincidence. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, Melba's face is on the Australian $100 bill. I think we might have even talked about this briefly last week. Yeah. And I want to... I, feel I like did not know Dame Nelly was on the 100. I don't see a lot of 100. You don't no, see I don't see a lot of them Well, either. obviously I know Sir John Monash is on the other side because I only use $100 bills. I know. Bills. It's really annoying when we're just buying a coffee. <laughs> yeah, he keeps like, doing it. Fucking hell, mate. Can you put it on card or something? You don't have any coins. It's $4. You're like, nope. He pulls out his little money clip. What do you do with the change then for the hundo? Throw it in the bin. <laughs> hey, let's play a fun little game. Um, whenever you use a hundo and you've got all that pesky change, give it to me. Yeah, oh, Well, you great. can get it out of the bin, mate. <laughs> <laughs> call earn me the, the bin. the money. Yeah. That's my nickname. Call, call my bin. wallet the bin. <laughs> But, you know, calling them hundos, I reckon we should be calling them Melbers. Yeah, that's way better. Making Melbers. You know, they talk Oof. about spending oh, Benjamins or something in America. Making Melbers. Making Melbers. I feel oh, like I that could that. be something. That'll only set you back a couple of Melbers. Yeah. Oh. That's good. That's real good. Let's start that. I think we should start it. Tweet it. Tweet it? Your tweets are always, A, taken as they're intended, <laughs> and B, <laughs> viral. Oh, yeah. Got 100% success rate. Big with virality. virality on Twitter. Yeah. And yeah, just people just getting it. Yeah. Just understanding irony, <laughs> understanding joke. Very obvious jokes, obviously. So that's why they get it so easily. <laughs> it is fun when um, uh, people discover s- sort of a, a level of irony mm. in what I've said. I'm like, oh, yeah, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> That was, was not built a, in. This was an incredibly genuine thought I had that I thought I'd share. But um, it's so funny that you've you've picked up on some irony that really was do not intentional. That very obviously. much. Uh, anyway, so O'Day, uh, not only dominant athlete, he was also a bit of a heartthrob on campus. Oh my Ooh, god! Day by day, but by night. Obey. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> sounds a bit creepy, actually. Uh, apparently, uh, UW students called him, quote, a handsome, congenial, carefree individual with a flair for the unusual, which I don't... What does that mean? Oh, what's he doing? There's He's no- into some kinky shit. Yeah. yeah. Missionary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He calls it, yeah, old school. Yeah. <laughs> In Wisconsin, that's seen as very that's, quirky. Oof. Yeah. Uh, because it, cause it's like it's... There's not that much info on him online a lot of it is similar stories you know across multiple sources uh it seems like the most in-depth one is the one i've been quoting from mainly uh, the collins one but Hmm. um yeah i uh, i love the idea that he's has a flair for the unusual and that it's very unclear what that means 
this is a, another uh, bit of art that was uh, written about him. It was a poem that was published in the 1900 University Yearbook. The grandstand is a howling mass. The lines are crowded thick. Now centre makes a clever pass when Pat goes back to kick. Unerringly, the pigskin flies above the gold cross of the gold cross sticks. The rooters rah-rahs rend the skies when Pat goes back to kick. Another rooters. Rooters, rah-rahs. Big fan of rooters. The rooters rah-rahs. Rah-rahs. Rah-rah, rah-rah-rah. Is that what they're... Yeah. <laughs> rah-rah, Rasputin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lover of the Russian queen. <laughs> That's, I think that's one of the big cultural differences between America and Australia. They'll kick a pig skin, we kick a bull's bladder. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. <laughs> <laughs> We're not so different. When his college career ended following his graduation from UW... I was like, what, you're going to stop playing for them because you're not a student there anymore? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Would you just, he should have watched Van Wilder. Just pick up a few extra little yeah. units or whatever. Never you can, leave. You can hang around for ages. And Van Wilder stars whom? Van, I think it's. I think he plays himself. <laughs> Matt, Van famously. Wilder. Jeremy Jackson? Cannot remember. No. Is that anyone? Jeremy Jackson is... No, no. that's no one. Okay. You think you have Joshua Jackson? Sure. Because not him either. Okay. Oh, James Vanderbeek. It's James Vanderbeek. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. Heartthrob James Vanderbeek. Yeah. What a guy. God, he's good. He's very good. Also plays Deadpool. Yes, that's yes, right. Yes, he does. He's very good, James Vanderbeek. I love James Vanderbeek. What, what a great range. <laughs> From Van Wilder all the way up to Deadpool. <laughs> I love what I love about him is he's always kind of the same guy. Sometimes he's wearing a superhero costume. Yeah. Uh, sometimes he's not James Vanderbeek. But genuinely big fan of James Vanderbeek's work in, in those two films and others. <laughs> uh, two Guys a Girl on a Pizza Place, another yeah, one of his classics. Yeah, another good one of James Vanderbeek. Uh, so his college career ended... This isn't Vanderbeek anymore. He, oh, okay. I know he did play in Varsity Blues. He was also played this game, but I'm talking about... Uh, I'm talking about Patio Day. Uh after after he left uh, University of Wisconsin, he became the non-playing coach of Notre Dame. <laughs> Am I saying that right, Dave? Oh, yeah, absolutely nailed it. Non-playing coach? Yes. Are there playing coaches? Yeah, I think it may be more so back then, but in the in Aussie rules, there was playing coaches until not that long ago. Really? Yeah, maybe up until maybe there was one in the 80s, but it was pretty common before that. And wow. in suburban footy, you'll still get it a bit. A playing coach? Yeah. How do you... I mean, well, what better place to coach from... That's right. ...than right in someone's face? <laughs> yeah. Timo, I said... Kick mate. it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, rule number one. Kick it to me. So, is there... Would there be a playing coach and a captain still? Yeah, I want... You, you imagine just captain dynamic. coach, right? Power dynamic is yeah. all over the place there. Yeah, but that's true. the captain true. said to do this, well, I'm the coach. <laughs> Captain doesn't mean shit. If I'm out here, Timo, you'll kick it to me. No, sorry, ref. We're having a chat here. Won't be a moment. You kick it to me, Timo. Well, I'm also the ref. So. <laughs> and the bar manager. So if you want a fucking beer after the yeah. game, you'll kick it to you'll me. You'll kick it to me. I don't care that you've got a clean shot. I don't care that I don't. I don't care that I'm 80 metres in the other direction. <laughs> kick it backwards. I don't care that I'm not on the pitch right now. You will kick it to me. <laughs> It's just a really menacing coach. Yeah, he's a nightmare. Are you getting an insight into what I'll be like as a coach slash parent? Any sort of power. <laughs> oh, Bob's what been I'm... given a small amount of power. 
as a coach slash parent, you're saying to your kid, kick it to me. <laughs> kick it to me. But mum, this is under seven. I will kill you <laughs> if you don't kick it to me. Too far. Okay. Well, no. Good to know where a line is. Kill you when we play Call of Duty later. Yeah. So I think threatening well, kids under- with that kind of violence to motivate. <laughs> oh, exactly. What? what? That's going to cause lifelong issues, is it? Give me a break. <laughs> kids these days, too soft. <laughs> so, so anyway, he's, he's the non-playing coach of Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Uh, one of the all-time great... Uh, Butchering uh, of the language. <laughs> well, how, how do the French say it? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Okay. I reckon Notre I, Dame. I'm going to split the difference. No, let's, I think... <laughs> Notre I mean, Dame. Notre, Notre Dame. I think one of the classic uh, film puns, if this is a pun, uh, the quarterback of Notre Dame instead of the hunchback of Notre Dame. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, is, that a, fi- is that a film? Thing? Yeah. What's the pun? What's the hunchback? Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. So instead of hunchback of Notre Dame, the quarterback, the quarterback of, Notre of Notre Dame. I like that. Bit of fun. That is a bit of fun. That's great work. Like a straight to TV kind of film. You didn't know the hunchback of Notre Dame? No, I don't know the quarterback of Notre Dame. <laughs> okay. I reckon it got funding okay. as soon as they just put the name for it on a piece of paper, sit across the table. I said, how much you want? I'm going to double it. There you go. You want 10 mil? Fuck it, have 50. Make it I don't amazing. even know maths. I don't even care. Have this. Go. Go. Make it. Leave my office. If you can get JTT or someone like that, who I, I yeah. reckon would have starred in it, because it was like a mid-90s yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, JTT's in there. Uh so while he was there coaching, the team uh, the team's mascot was a live kangaroo, which would bound up and down the <gasps> no fucking way. No, don't like that. Did they audition them? Yeah. That How many push-ups can they do? It wrote an amazing sketch. Oh, beautiful sketch. It was thought-provoking. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. It was poignant. And the callback at the end, wrapping it all oh together. Oh my god, wow. it was so nuanced. Mm, yes. So it's running up and down the side. Is it like it fenced run, in? Sorry, fucking run. Is it hopping in a fenced area, or can it just enter the crowd if it felt like it? Yeah, I, feel, well, I mean they can they can bounce. What are they fucking rabbit? They don't hop. Good luck keeping them in a in a, a fenced in anywhere. Uh, Even at the zoo, you, we have to walk through their yeah, enclosure. They, they used to try and put them in their own thing, but they you can't. They just kick the bars out. <laughs> Pew. Uh, so his coaching record that year was really strong. 14 wins, two losses, two ties. Very good record. But his time with Notre Dame ended in really strange circumstances. Again, I haven't got any... I haven't been able to qualify this anywhere else. But see if you can make sense of this. According to Collins, before the final game in 1901, he mysteriously decided to play for the opposition. He's a non-playing coach for Notre Dame. But instead, for some reason, the last game of the year... He played with for the professional South Bend Studebakers, who were who they were playing against that week. He then incurred the wrath of his new teammates when they suffered an upset defeat after being baffled by Notre Dame's tactical moves. So he played for the opposition and lost. What? And then his new teammates hated him because his coaching was so good of the team that he wasn't playing for. Oh, it's baffling. And that's strange. He's- team that he coaches probably is presumably also mad at him for going to the other team yeah they sacked him <laughs> not surprising do you think this is <laughs> like is that? here's what i think's happened you guys have seen dodgeball yeah Dip, i think dive duck, duck dodge, dodge dive duck. <laughs> dodge rip torn amazing i think what it is is like he's been blackmailed oh okay 
I said, you'll come play with us. And he's like, okay, I'll come play with you. Mm. I can't guarantee a win. My yeah. teams are very good. He's winking whenever he says it. Yeah, I'll play with you. I'll play with you. <laughs> and then he's just like sipping a cup of tea on the side. He's like, well, I'm on the field. I'm, I'm playing with you. I'm here. You. I'm ready for it to, for a ball if you want to th- head it my way. He's like playing with you. Oh, where I come from, that means sort of messing with you. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. I'm playing with oh, you. Oh, I'm playing with you. And he's still winking. It's all very confusing. <laughs> I think he's been blackmailed. Yeah. Do you think that they've said, play for us or the kangaroo gets it? I think oh, they've said, no. we have got very incriminating sketches of you. I don't know if cameras are around. And we <laughs> will release him. So he, do- he had a dominant season as coach yeah. and then was sacked because he did this weird thing playing for the other team. It's so weird. So strange. What an odd thing to do. And we, like, yeah, it's so long ago, we don't have any insight into why. Yeah, that would there'd be all sorts of articles about it yeah. now that you could read, but, yeah. Other than blackmail, so I'm still standing by that. Uh, so, after that, he coached Missouri for a season in 1902. Again, uh, he had a winning season there, but moved on again. Starting to think, is he a nightmare or something? Why is he yeah. he's not hanging on to these jobs? But he was so loved at, at UW. Loved him, loved him. Uh, he then became football coach and athletics director at the American School of Osteopathy, Osteopathy, maybe? Right. Uh, which sounds pretty prestigious uh, as a sporting school, I'm sure. But it seems he may have lied on his resume saying he'd graduated with a Bachelor of Arts from, Monash, uh, from Melbourne University in 1893, which obviously he didn't do. This led to him being sacked again, and this proved to be the end of his involvement at, in top flight football. After this, he went to San Francisco and is said to have helped popularise Australian rules football in the US as a participation sport by training San Fran school children in the kicking game. They had this weird new game that was called like field kicking or something, field football or something. Field kicking. (laughs) What you do is you go out in them fields. (laughs) And there's an old article that I was reading where um, I think it was an Australian article saying uh, there was going to be a a shipment of American school kids from San Francisco kind of come over and play against Aussie kids in, in some sort of hmm. version of that game. Uh, and that was all helped set up by him. But from there, he disappeared uh, from public view, seemingly uh, vanishing in a thin air around the time of World War One. According to Griffin, a futile worldwide search reaching to Australia was made. But obviously being futile, they just couldn't find it. He just sort of disappeared off the face of the earth it's easy to do that back then wasn't it yeah i'd say a lot easier yeah now i just track my foot just look at my instagram yeah. oh there she is <laughs> you're like Dumbass. here i am don't tell anyone i'm disappeared don't tell anyone but this is my address and i've changed my name uh people's best guess was that he joined an australian army regiment and was killed somewhere in france uh which is what uh his brother believed decades passed and well, then, like a family would be notified usually of people's deaths. Yeah, you'd think so. Unless he'd like sign up under a different name. That's Which, true. Why would he do that? What's he hiding? Who's got something on him? Is that, is that blackmail's happened again? Yeah, I reckon blackmail's happened again. A uh, war has blackmailed him. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, decades have gone by. In 1934, plans were hatched to create a memorial in his honour. This is like... You know, pushing 20 years since he was last seen. Mm. Uh, according to Collins, though, around this time, San Francisco Chronicle sports writer Bill Lesser 
had received a tip-off that O'Day was living in a small town of Westwood, deep in the Sierra Nevada mountains in northeastern California. Then, 62, O'Day had been living there for 15 years under the assumed name of Charles J. Mitchell. What? He took Charles from his younger brother's name and Mitchell from Dame Nellie Melba's real name, original name. Uh, And he was working as a clerk or a clerk for a lumber company. News of O'Day's secret life was a bombshell, creating breathless headlines across two continents. Breathless headlines. (laughs) O'Day found. How are they spelling that? It's amazing. Uh, In Madison, it even overshadowed the arrest of the kidnapper of Lindbergh's baby. (gasps) It overshadowed that. Apparently. The crime of the century. Not in Madison. Wow. Whoa. Which is where Lindbergh went to uni. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously Uh, didn't make enough of a mark while he was there. Not like the kangaroo kicker. (laughs) He had plenty of marks. (laughs) (laughs) O'Day claimed uh, his football fame had been a handicap in business as it was all anyone wanted to talk to him about. He's like, I just want to be a lawyer or be a business guy. But everyone's just like, oh, man, remember when you kicked that ball real good? <laughs> He's like, I just want to... It's like, of course I remember I was there. I was there. Now let's, let's talk litigation. Let's talk business. <laughs> let's oh. talk brass tacks. Yeah. I thought like a bunch of like ex-VFL people often become like good salesmen because they go around to like the tire yard and everyone's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Sav Rock is here. And everyone wants to go talk to him. And then, oh, anyway, while I'm here, boys, do you want to <laughs> buy a few, few of these? Yeah. That'll mean I get his mobile number on his yeah. card. Oh, sick. <laughs> so, you, you give him a couple of stories from the good old days and they go, yeah, yeah, great, great, great. We'll sign up. Yeah, that yeah. is true. That would be my other My other sales rep hasn't pl- fucking played shit. <laughs> <laughs> fucking fuck. I mean, he's like in- incredible salesman. Gets me a great deal. But he's not interesting for me to tell other people <laughs> yeah, about. That's right. I want to say that I've got O'Day's personal mobile number. <laughs> I don't even care if it is a work phone which sits in a drawer and you will ignore. I need to know I can contact you. Uh, This is what O'Day said at the time. I wanted to get away from what seemed to me to be all in the past. As Pat O'Day, I seemed to be very much just an ex-Wisconsin football player. I was very happy as Mitchell for a while. Later, I often found it rather unpleasant not to be the man I actually am. So I'm going to be Pat O'Day for the rest of my life. Perhaps I should never have been anything else. So he was just saying it was just business. He wanted yeah. to. He just wanted to disappear a bit, you know, become anonymous again for a while. However, there were probably more sinister motives for O'Day's self-imposed exile. Uh-oh. In 1919, he'd been charged with embezzling $3,000 in stock valued at $1,500 from a client and was due to appear before a grand jury in San Francisco. But then he went missing. Okay. Feels like it could be a coincidence. It's business. <laughs> this yeah. is I was sick of being recognised by people wanting me to go to court, <laughs> giving me affidavits. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, leave me alone. Are you Patrick O'Day? <laughs> well, you've been summoned. Yeah. Oh, here we go. I'm sick of it. Oh, I remember when you kicked good. Oh, see you in court on Wednesday. It's exhausting. <laughs> I just want to go live in the mountains. I just want to live in the mountains and be a businessman. Apparently, running away from the charge didn't seem to make any big dent on his re-entry into society as Pat O'Day, with the public welcoming, welcoming, <laughs> with the public welcoming him back with open arms. According to Collins, the born-again O'Day was completely unprepared for his overwhelming reception from the sporting public. 
He received a rapturous welcome on his homecoming to UW. People packed the streets for a glimpse of the uh, people packed the streets for a glimpse of the legend, greeting him with quote lusty cheers and singing. Lusty. Lusty cheers. That's funny. The man of the moment, who was always referred to by the US media as former Australian rugby star, which is not true, not correct. Uh, reveled in the adulation as he would for the last three decades of his life. According to Griffin, after his re-emergence, he returned to San Francisco where he joined an export, an export business. His last occupation was as office manager for a clothing firm where people just go and getting selfies, buying a couple of shirts. Yeah. Bought a shirt, bought a shirt from O'Day. Can you believe it? Uh, in 1952, America's greatest football hero was given a testimonial banquet by a Wisconsin alumni. He deplored the loss of kicking skills in contemporary gridiron, saying... The boys don't follow through enough. In his view, Australian rules football was the better game. It allowed players more spectator appeal with its faster action. Okay. Very different game. It's yeah. funny how people go, it's just, it's just classic sort of um, nostalgia. Yeah. It's better when I played it. Of course. People talk, about it like, people talk about footy all the time like that. People who are like in their 30s and 40s are like, it's best in the 90s. <laughs> like, it's like from, you know, professional... Sports journalists to people down the pub. Yeah. So many people talk like that. It's like, I reckon the kids of today disagree. Yeah. You watch an old game, it's like, oh, this is a bit of a mess. Yeah. There are great things about it, but it's changed. It's just funny. It's like, you reckon it's anything to do with when you were just a kid and football yeah. was more magical to you? You had a lot more time to just watch sport. Yeah. Now but, you can only do that at the sacrifice of other boring tasks. I know people will be yelling at their iPod now going, no, it was better in yeah. the 90s. And definitely there were some things about it that were better in the 90s. Don't get me wrong. But when you're saying everything was better when you were about 15 to 18, <laughs> then it's, a, it's, yeah, it's probably a little bit of nostalgia and that being an adult is sometimes hard and tedious. Yes. It was great when, I mean, you used to kick more goals back then. That was pretty good. Yep. But you watch it and it is just like sometimes it's just the ball bouncing backwards and forwards. They heaps, say the skills aren't as good now, but I reckon they're definitely better now. Heaps if you watch of stuff was way worse yeah. back then too. Heaps bring back worse. the Biff, honestly. Bring back the Biff. <laughs> Can't <laughs> even knock people out behind the play anymore. <laughs> Can't even coward punch anymore. <laughs> you don't have to have a second job anymore. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to focus full time on the game. Oh, these these bloody footy players today with their, oh, I'm getting a massage on my muscles. <laughs> oh, I finished a footy game and went to work in the mine. <laughs> <laughs> I butchered Monday to Friday. <laughs> and had a kick on a Saturday. Okay. And you know what I did to recover? Had a beer. Had a smoke and a pie at <laughs> half time. Had a smoke and a pie and <laughs> yeah. a beer and a root. <laughs> and I was, honestly, the skills were just much more professional back then. <laughs> We knew more about the body back then. <laughs> uh, O'Day had famous admirers right until the end, being invited onto Bob Hope's All-American Football Team announcement shows. <laughs> what is that? It must have just been like a weekly show or maybe a yearly show where they'd announce the, the team of the year or something. Again, I could not find much more information. Yeah, about interesting. Uh, but according to Collins, among the... This is um, the, the thing I'm going to finish with. Um, links back to a recent topic 
according to Collins, among the hundreds of people to send 90th birthday wishes to O'Day in March of 1962 were then-President John F. Kennedy, whose note opened with, as a fellow son of Aaron and long-time admirer, which is interesting because he, he wasn't born when uh, O'Day played, so... Yeah, it's wow! In, that sort of says how big his legend was. Yeah, back then. Yeah, wow. even though it doesn't. I mean, had you heard of it? I hadn't heard. No, of I hadn't him. heard of it. And no. it's like we should have. We it seems heard like we really should have. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's strange. It's a real sporting legend, and we love sporting legends. Here. I know, isn't that weird? Yeah. Um, I think I assume son of Aaron means son of Irish people. Yeah. yeah. Is Aaron is it Ireland, land of Aaron or something? How's that spelt? E-R-I-N, apparently, oh. but... No, that's not... I mean, that's not Ireland in Irish. No. But I'm guessing it's, yeah. That's something... Yeah, because they both are kids of Irish people. Yeah. Are they both Catholics? Yeah, I think... Oh, probably. It seems like Kilmore was a real Catholic sort of place. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. But people up in the big smoke hated it when uh, that Catholic girl was premier. <laughs> but that was interesting because that made me think of that as well because JFK... One of, you said one of his biggest hurdles to become president was that he was an Irish Catholic. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, yeah, it's funny that that was a problem in Melbourne as well. I just, I don't think yeah. I was ever aware of it. Although that O'Shaughnessy overcame that. Yeah. Um, Bravely. <laughs> <laughs> On the 3rd of April, 1962, he was elected to the College Football Hall of Fame, uh, which was a, you know, a huge honour. Um, but... All good things must come to an end. And he died of cancer the following day <gasps> on the 4th of April, 1962 at the University of California Hospital in San Francisco. Wow. Sounds like one of those classic things where he was, maybe he was just holding on for that announcement yeah. or something like that. But Wow. And well, so he would have just stayed in the US his whole life, essentially, yeah, that's right. didn't he? Like how young was he when he went over? 24. Yeah, right. So he, this is where my brain has gone. Definitely got an American accent by this point. <laughs> like, that's what I, all I was thinking for a lot of this. I was like, probably doesn't even sound Aussie anymore. Probably doesn't even hardly say Cobra anymore. Yeah. No, nah, he's going, nah, he's, he's not one of us now. Would have been, I wonder what the Australian accent was back then yeah. in the late 1800s. How developed it was. Yeah, true. It was probably sounding quite English. And what the American accent was back then as well. Yeah. Being interesting. Probably see. all sounding fairly English. I'm sure I've said this uh, before, but I find that fascinating how an accent develops. And, yeah. And I, it blew my mind a couple of years ago when I saw a video of some uh, like 20 to 30 year old Melburnians talking, doing vox pops recently. There's mm. an old tape. And I, I think of like, you know, old man, old woman voice being like, oh, hello, dear. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, oh, that's not old person voice. That's just how they always talked. Yeah. It's not like you start talking like that when exactly you get older. Right. Yeah. It's not like when we're old, we're suddenly going to be wearing cardigans, yeah. pearls and playing chess. Like nursing homes for us, we're going to be in boardies and T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And like oversized clothes and we're going to be playing video games. And and people are going to be like, oh, look at their grandpas exactly. and grandmas playing their video games. It's just how they always were. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's such heart. a funny realization. Like, obviously, that's the case. No, nah, but you just don't have that. It takes a while to get to that realization. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, of course. But it's so funny to hear like a 28 year old saying, "Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's marvelous, oh, isn't oh, it? Oh no, I Fantastic. think. I think a woman should stay home. It's always those. <laughs> yeah. oh, I think a woman should stay home and look after the children. These women who want to work. Oh, I just don't think they. Oh no. And you're like. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so that is that is the end of my report on the kangaroo kicker Patty O'Day or Pat O'Day. 
Which, yeah, I just found to be a fascinating story and so interesting that it doesn't seem to be well known. Yeah, great one. At all. And so you just came across that sort yeah, of article. I'm not sure even how I stumbled across it because no one suggested into the hat. This was my just a uh, captain's free choice. Pick. Yeah, a captain's pick is a way better way of uh, phrasing it. What a great story. And surprising that, yeah, we hadn't heard of him, that it's not sort of a well-known name because he sounds like the type of person that Australia loves to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. And mm. I love his connections to like his... Nellie Melba's mate. Yeah. She's on the hundred dollar note. She's a, well, kick she, off bloody Monash on the other side. Yeah, fuck Get off, off there, mate. O'Day, imagine a Melbourne and O'Day back together again. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> Next door neighbours. Next door neighbours as they <laughs> as they should have been. Oh, that would be lovely. Let's have a word. And JFK somehow becoming a long time admirer. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah, I just don't I don't quite understand how that would have even happened. Or if that's just he's got a a pile of letters on his desk and it's right. like yeah. can you sign these or like or, when you get a, a letter from the queen on your yeah. anniversary or oh, something oh no she means she means <laughs> those. they're from <laughs> she, the heart she's but, like Eddie and Dorothy's anniversary is coming up I better remember to write him a card yeah. but maybe he was a fan of him being an office manager of a fashion firm <laughs> that's true yeah he's like love, love your work oh my goodness oh. your pants are fantastic <laughs> just the best maybe he really made a mark on Bob Hope's uh, all American yeah. announcements big fan of the announcements but or just maybe just heard of the fact that he kicked a ball 110 yards. Yeah, it must be like legendary. Yeah. And the fact that he is an Irish guy, yeah. And surely you don't, you don't just, you don't write, I'm a long-time admirer if you're full of shit. You'd, you'd yeah. say something else like... Um, I've heard good I've things. Heard good, <laughs> I've heard good things. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard good things. Personally, I don't know who you are. Yeah. Hey, good on ya. Happy birthday. Bloody good on ya. Now, welcome to everyone's favourite section of the show where we get to thank a few of our great supporters. If you want to get involved, you can support us at dogoonpod.com or patreon.com slash dogoonpod. There's a bunch of different levels, all sorts of different rewards. What are some of the rewards you can get, Bob? You get uh, three bonus episodes a month. You get access to a newsletter that comes out sometimes. You get um, premiere access to tickets to live shows. Um, and you also get to be part of a beautiful Facebook group, a lovely community. So nice. So yeah. lovely. But yeah, lots of lots of different perks. You also get shout outs, which we're going to do yeah. now. Um, the first one on the Sydney Scheinberg level, get to uh, fact, quote or question section, which I think has a jingle that goes something like this. Fact, quote or question. Ding. Always remembers the ding. Now, to be involved in this, you just sign up on the Sydney Scheinberg level. Uh, you give us a fact, a quote, or a question. I'll read them out on the show. I'll read them out for the first time when I read them out, which makes sense. There's no screening. No. You say it, not. I read it. He could read them ahead of time, and he won't. I refuse to. Yeah. Because I think that would be letting down these great supporters. Exactly, yeah. They don't need to be censored, usually. <laughs> uh, the first one this week comes from... <laughs> David Loring, and I uh, also, uh, the fact quote or question, I also get to give themselves a title. David's given themselves the title of Chief Landscaper of the Grassy Knoll. Oh. oh very important job. Very very high traffic area for tourism these days. You'd be pretty pissed off, actually, that like that was the reason that Grassy Knoll was famous, because you'd put so much work into the landscaping. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, sure, just come and see. Uh, don't, don't have a look around at the landscape or anything. Yeah, got anyone, that crisscross pattern. Yeah. No one noticed the uh, flowers I imported from Africa. Okay. Those are quite rare and very high maintenance. Yeah. They're not even grass. <laughs> sure, it's a knoll. Yeah. But it's a rosy knoll. <laughs> and it's beautiful. That's what we used to call it before it got rebranded. The conspiracy theorists. 
What are they going to wreck next? Anyway, David has given us a fact this week. David writes, There's a Romanian phrase that comes in handy when describing a tendency of weather that's handy for anyone in Melbourne and further south. It is... Soiree Cudint. That's the... Uh, that's what the rough phonetics of the oh, word yep. is. Uh, translates to sun with teeth and refers to a day that looks nice, a sunny day, clear blue skies, but is still very cold and not nice to be outside in. Yep. I would have thought sun with teeth would have meant like, it's uh, you are going to get burnt. Yeah. Yeah, high UV warning. Yeah. Yep. But... I, yeah, they are oh, their nasty days, the days where it looks beautiful and when you're in the sun, it's nice. If you're, if you're planning a beer garden day or something like that or any sort of outdoor activity yeah. and you don't bring a jumper yep. and you're caught, oh, man. Awful. Nasty. Not Won't good. make that mistake again. Yeah. What about cloud with teeth? That's when it looks overcast, but it is a high UV warning. Yeah, there. Because if you're out there for six hours, you're going to get burned anyway. Yeah. They're the like, biggest burning days. Yeah. Yeah. But that's great. I love that. Sun with teeth. Soiree coudint. I like that a lot. Thank you very much, David. Uh, next one comes from Tessa Chilcott, given themself the, themself the title of Contessa of Tessas. Ooh, love that very much. Now, what does that translate to? What's a Contessa? A Contessa is, a, is like a count. Right. Oh, right. Love it. Contessa of Tessas. And Contessa... <laughs> I mean, Tessa has offered a fact as well, writing, I just had my wisdom teeth removed. Huge drama, but that's another story. Because the dentists and other dental people have been so fascinated with the fact I still have one baby molar tooth, no adult tooth to push it out. I've been looking at teeth facts because of this. Apparently, it's very common for adults to sometimes retain baby teeth. Not that I've become defensive. <laughs> uh, it's actually very common. Actually, so. it's more common than you would think. Okay, thank you for being self-aware. Know, that is how it read a little. Yeah, I know like four people, so. It's fine. I'm in a Facebook group. <laughs> Anywho, my fact is this. Prior to 1960, people really thought that toothaches were caused by a toothworm who lived in your gums. Yuck. Prior to 1960. That's recent. Uh, for me, an old man. Um, yeah, that's like my grandpa would have been in dental school before, in the 50s. So, was he being taught that? <laughs> yes. Wow. That was what, yeah. Did he ever warn a, you about the worm in your mouth? He did say that a lot. Yeah. There was a whole unit about dental worms. Uh, so, if the worm was resting, you had no pain. They thought the worms would enter the tooth, have a bit of a feast, and then cause no end of issues. What? Suppose it was how they explained all the terrible teeth falling out of their mouths. I'm ready to be done with teeth, so thanks for keeping me company during this week from hell. I saved up a few episodes to listen to while I was recovering. Can't remember much. Thanks to the painkillers. Love those painkillers. Jesse, you want painkillers? Right now. Is that your issue why you can't remember the episodes? Uh, yes. <laughs> Constantly on painkillers. <laughs> but Tessa says, because of that, that means I'll enjoy listening again. Thanks, heaps. I'll shut up now. Oh, Thank you so much, Tessa. No need to shut up. Great fact. That's wild. Huge if true. Teeth are fucked. We had a, um, a story on Simply the Jest one time of a girl who, I think it was genetic in her family. She essentially had this condition where she... Not genetic outside of her family. <laughs> Sorry. She <laughs> lost her baby teeth like three or four times. She had like 
multiple sets of baby teeth that would come through and then she'd lose all those. Oh. Cashing in with a tooth fairy. How traumatic is that? Yeah. That's full on. I think she's like, we're like, are you, have you got more? She's like, I think I'm done. Like, oh, but that's terrifying. Yeah. That feels like some sort of a a, a dental worm curse. Yeah. And I don't have (laughs) enough teeth. Like, like I think I have the amount that a child has when they're about eight. That's what I've got. Yeah, right. I don't have that many teeth. So you never got the wisdoms? Is they the last uh, ones? I've had them out. And I was like, honestly, leave them in. Yeah. I need them. I need them. I need just for just for numbers. Yeah. They all count. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, just right. A fun fact there for you. I don't know if I love teeth stuff. Nah, teeth. I hate teeth stuff. You know that the seeing a, like an x-ray where the teeth are above the other teeth? Don't love that. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, you never say stuff like that on a podcast because someone will definitely send me a photo now. Yes, I will. <laughs> Not our lovely listeners. Uh, next one comes from Paul Meller. Great Saint supporter, Paul, uh, over in England. I follow him on Twitter. He also posts the nicest photos on his morning walks. Always uh, make me feel real nice. Now, nice Paul... One. That's lovely. He's given himself the title of Lord Meller of Meller Manor. <laughs> Oof. That's fun to say. That is fun to say. Lord Meller of Meller Manor. Lord Oof. Meller of Meller Manor. I enjoy that so much. Paul has asked a question. Paul writes, I have a question inspired by Matt's recent Keen for Neen tweets. Oh, yeah. I recently uh-huh. tweeted about Neenish tarts. Yes. Which I didn't realize are, they're an Australian thing. Seems like a oh, Sydney yeah, right. origin. Anyway, maybe that's what where this is going. Uh, Paul asks, what is your favorite tart or sweet baked treat? Paul has answered the question. Love that. Thank you, Paul. Okay. So, like, okay. Let's narrow it down. Let's say country bakery. Yes. You going in? What do you get? Oh, okay. Uh, pie, obviously. Obviously, obviously getting a pie. I'm getting a, a like a cheese and salad roll. Nothing better than a bakery cheese and salad. It does say specifically sweet baked treat. Yeah, though, Dave. So you're going like, to yeah, a sweet that's, pie. That's, that's oh, your meal. Okay. Like, yeah, it's always yes. a dessert. Yeah, come on, we're oh. washing it down. Oh, I, yeah. you have to get a sweet treat when you're at a country. I'm bakery. going to pasty. Lava pasty. Yeah, sauce. yum. Yeah, pasty or yeah, yum. I'd be doing that or all this. No, I'm going to stick with my chicken salad. My um, my cheese and salad, not chicken salad. Cheese and salad. Okay, desserts, Dave. Jelly slice. Oh, my mum makes don't a think pretty I've good. Ever had one of mum those. makes a pretty good jelly slice. Oh, I'd love to have it. Yeah, yum. I've gone through different phases. As a kid, I had a Neenish tart every time. I remember the, the bakery in Kyneton, which doesn't exist anymore. I tried to go back to it on Piper Street, not there. What a bummer. Yeah, it was a bit of a bummer. It was, it was so good, like real uh, strong nostalgia memories. But um, I've had a few Neenish tarts since, and they're pretty full on in terms of sweetness. Mm. Uh, so I'm, And then I, I reckon for a while I loved a vanilla slice, loved it until someone called it a... It's not block. And I couldn't eat them anymore. And then yeah, sorry, um, <laughs> fruit flans for a little while, quite okay. enjoyed. Now I'm probably, I don't know what, I, I don't have the biggest sweet tooth anymore, but probably a donut maybe. Yeah. Like a chalk ice donut or something. Yeah. What else is there? Dad would always get lemon tarts. Oh yeah. I love a lemon tart. They're yeah. good. Jam yep. tarts, lemon tart. Lemon tart. Such a, it's an older person thing. It's one yeah. of those classic, just want to taste something and these taste full on. Oh, they are full. Full on, yeah. and it's such a strange texture now that I'm yeah, thinking about yeah. it. But I'm also like salivating a little bit, <laughs> like I want one. It wasn't because it's not like a like a a custody kind of tart or like a baked tart. It's just like a lemon goo, yeah, in a little pastry. <laughs> it's really 
Fuck, delicious. Or or maybe like a cinnamon donut. That's what I'd go for. Yeah, nice. What has Paul said? Uh, did you, what you get Jelly some, slice. Oh, that's right. But if it has to be a tart, I love a Portuguese tart. It doesn't have to oh, be a tart, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Fantastic. Dave, I am on painkillers. <laughs> uh, Paul writes, mine is a custard tart. It is my go-to tart when I fancy a little treat. Mm. Not sure if these are just UK thing. We definitely have them. They, yeah. they have the feel of something that could have started over there, though, probably. So that is my dad's go-to. Mm. Uh, close seconds are strawberry tart or wimbery pie. That sounds very good. Ooh, haven't heard of that. What is a wimbery yeah. pie? Do we have one of those? Uh, and, yeah, I'm not sure what a strawberry tart would be, but no. I guess it's just a strawberry Maybe. version of a lemon tart. Beautiful. <laughs> I guess it's a tart with strawberry in it. Uh, Paul says, keep up the great work. You are on fire with Blocktober this year. At the time of writing the, uh, this, we are patiently waiting to find out what is number one. All the best, Ooh. Paul. Well, hopefully you are satisfied. I think countdowns of popular votes or any countdowns are always, people are always going to be like, oh, that was the number one, was Yeah, it? of course. But the feedback's been really positive this year, which I appreciate. I think generally our listeners are lovely people. <laughs> and that is probably why. Um, thank you very much, Paul. Have you have you seen a, you're trying to find a Wimbury tart? A Wimbury I've pie. found one. No, my computer's just shut itself. An article here. Has there ever been a fruit with as many different names? Wimbury, Winberry, Winberry, Windberry, <laughs> Billberry, Hurtleberry, Wartleberry. It's uh, Hurtleberry's amazing. It's a little purple. Oh, that looks delicious. Ah. Inside. I wasn't looking at an image. Oh, that looks lovely. Love very, the look of that, I'm Very Paul. keen to try. Uh... Thank you very much, Paul. The final one this week comes from Gary J from the UK. Ah, Gary. And Gary's given himself the title of the vice president of the fan club for the sister of the former president, Eunice Mary Kennedy. Great work, Eunice. Great work, Eunice. Love the name. Love your vibe. Love you. Love Love everything about you. Love you, Eunice. And Gary J asks a question. He writes, hee hee. <laughs> oh, that's great. Just the way you say it is so cute. Hee-hee. I don't know how else you say it. Hee hee. He writes. I was wondering if any of you can speak another language or if you could learn a new one, which would it be? Uh, and Gary has gone on to answer the question, but I'll. Do you want to answer before he does? Or do you want me to read his out first? What's Gary's? Gary says, at the moment, me and Nat, my wife, my wife, are trying to learn British Sign Language just as a bit of fun. I learned Makaton, signing for children, when I worked with kids. It was really fun and rewarding teaching them to do it. Little bit of a brag there. Hee hee. Hee hee. Because, of course, this uh, section is now a uh, fat quarter question brag or suggestion. Yeah, of course. You can add those at any time. Um, very similar to you, Gary. Last year I was learning Auslan, it's Australian Sign Language. It's very similar or it's it's uh, got a lot of its history is rooted in British Sign Language. So I think it's like very similar or maybe even the same alphabet. Some signs are very similar. Um, which I'd like to get back into and do a bit more of that next year. Um, a bit more Auslan and yeah I learned a lot of Italian at school so I could I could comfortably tourist in Italy <laughs> that's good <laughs> I reckon it'd be a lot of like I would say hello can I have that and beyond that I'd be like I'm so sorry you speak English and they'd be like oh yes and I figured you would need me too <laughs> yeah a pleasey yeah <laughs> I remember, yeah, it, it being in a few different places and people being like, maybe in France, who were like, I 
I, I'll speak English. Yeah, I remember um, sitting down at a, at a place in Amsterdam with my friend I was traveling with and they just brought out Australi- um, Australian English menus. <laughs> it said, g'day. G'day. What do you want, Cobra? Just immediately, like we just sat down. He hadn't said anything to us. He brought English menus. And we're like, how do you know? And he's like, please. <laughs> I'm like, okay. He said, uh, want to get a dingo up ya? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a couple of Forsters, thanks. <laughs> Dave? Um, I would love to learn French because my partner speaks French and I feel Poirot. left out. Left out. You're talking about yeah. Poirot? And Poirot, yes. My hero, Poirot. The, Bel- the Belgians speak French? Some do. Right. And is that... What, what, what's the go there in Belgium? They oh, speak Flemish. Flemish. It's a beautiful name. Is there a Flemish tart? It feels like they're probably... Oh. It sounds right. Doesn't that sound like something? That's a thing, isn't it? Surely that's a thing. Surely. If not, why not? Why not? Let's make one. I think I I did four years of Italian in high school. Did two years of Mandarin in primary school. Oh, yep. A couple of years of Indonesian in high school. Yeah. And I've retained very little of all of those. It's like, but it's, it's at that formative time where you surprise yourself. I remember being in Italy and somebody asking me a question and I knew what they meant. Oh, cool. But if, if you'd asked me... Here, how do you say that? I'd go, I have no idea. Right. Definitely have like counting to 10. I think I could do in those. But I, um, yeah, how handy is that? I guess, yeah. But I think just being good at any of those would be great. Yeah. I'd love to um, get to, you know, casual speaking levels at least. And sign language is a great one. Like it's it's a really handy thing to know and uh, definitely make somebody's day if you can communicate with them and also like if you know the alphabet you can get your way through anything yeah right Just spell it out yeah if you have to it's not ideal first you have to learn the sign for una momento and then (laughs) then a little patience please please yeah cool that's a good Uh, question belgium has four linguistic areas the french speaking area the dutch speaking area the bilingual area of brussels the capital and the german speaking area there's a, a flemish Flemish Dutch as well. Cool. And Flemish tarts, Dave. Oh, I'm 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 wondering. Really thought that's what you were passionately googling <laughs> over there, but instead you're like, oh, languages relevant to the question. Flemish sugar tart recipe by. Oh, I thought it said your name. It says Martha Stewart. <laughs> Close. That is my name. Wait, what did you think my name you was? You thought Matt Stewart had a very <laughs> successful uh, cooking yeah. blog. <laughs> Guess and a stint in prison. Guess how long it's going <laughs> to take... Very successful stint in prison. <laughs> guess how long it's going to take you to take make a Flemish sugar tart. How long? A couple of minutes? Four hours, five minutes. Oh. Easy. Dave, a lot of that's just in the oven. It's no. like saying, you know how long it's going to take you to make a cake? A couple of hours. Well, it's doing a lot of them. <laughs> it's in the oven and then it's cooling. Well, you could do a Stephen Seagal on Under Siege 2 and uh, despite being a cook, just put it in the microwave for 15 minutes. <laughs> and he goes, and that's how you bake a cake. <laughs> And then someone jumps out of it. No, that's the first film. That's number one. Yeah, they love cake in that movie. Jesus, very, very cakeish motif. Yes. Uh, but anyway, that brings us to everyone's uh, favorite section of the show still, mm-hmm. where we thank a few more of our supporters. Bob, you normally come up with a game linked to the topic at hand. Yeah, we either give them a a mascot. Or like, like a, a badger yeah, or a kangaroo, a live kangaroo. Like a sporting nickname, like the kicking kangaroo. Oh, what do you reckon? I don't know. What's better? I reckon maybe, yeah. I reckon sporting nickname's sporting fun. Nickname. Alliterative sporting nickname. Yeah, preferably. An adjective or whatever and a... and a um, An adjective. And an animal. A whatever and an animal. No, just the... Well, is kicking an adjective? No, it's a verb. No. Oh, I regret oh. bringing this up. Dave? 
You read books. Well, kick, that's a verb, but kicking. Yes, it is but a kicking kangaroo something. is an yeah, adjective. That's right. Thank you. should never doubt myself. Never ever. Mate, Matt, look at me. <laughs> Don't you doubt yourself. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> All right. So first up. From, oh, address unknown, <gasps> can only assume deep within the fortress so, of the moles. I already know what animal this is. Yes. Uh, it is Jake B. Bush. The moldy mole. Oh, the moldy mole. Jake B. Moldy. Jake B. Moldy mole. Moldy mole, that's fine. Moldy? Moldy. Or should it be something else? Uh, mellow mole. The mellow mole. Not a very good mascot, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, it's not a mascot. This is the, um, this is, this is it. Okay, so yeah, he's a, he's a very like chilled, relaxed player. Yeah, yeah, but effective. White line fever. Oh yeah, big time. Doesn't right. matter. I think we're up to three twenty. Is that right? No, we're up to three twenty one. Three twenty one. Thank sorry, you sorry, so man. much. You were correct. Hey Dave, you're a dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Jake. I'd also love to thank from <laughs> Nepean in Ontario, Canada, Tara. Tara. The something tiger. Ooh. Titillating. Titillating, titillating tiger. tiger. Hard now, what to does say. titillating mean? It's exci- exciting. Exciting, yeah. Yes. Wow. And titillating so Tara is just like a very exciting player to watch. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's you cool. Know, like you never quite know what Tara's going to do. And it's a real challenge for the cheerleaders. Yeah. To get it in. Titillating tiger. Yeah. T, T, ra, ra. There you go, done. They fucking nailed it. Titillating tiger. It was actually really easy. Dave's been watching Bring It On. I love it. It's working. And finally from me, from Stratford upon Avon, I believe, is that the deep within the fortress of Shakespeare? Yeah, the Shakespearean mole. In Warwickshire, Great Britain, it's Dominic Hood. Dominic Hood. Dominic Hood. What's a hooded animal? Oh, yeah. The hooded fox. No, I'm thinking of the animated Robin Hood. Oh, great. Who was a fox? Yeah. Fox. In both uh, meanings of the word. Oh, that fox could get it. Filthy fox. The filthy fox fox. is a dirty player. Dominic the filthy fox hood. Oh, I like that a lot. Like, if he needs the job done. No matter what, yes. send in the filthy fox. Love that. Dominic the Dominator, filthy fox hood. Ra, ra. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, you want to thank a few? Absolutely, I do. I just, I got a bit um, scared then. You called me Jess and I was like, Oops. oh, I'm in trouble. Um, <laughs> Jess- Jessica? <laughs> oh, no. Please? I would love to thank, from St Kilda in Victoria, oh, Alex. Oh, fun fact about St Kilda. What's that? Uh, they won their one and only premiership in 1966. Oh, uh, well, soon they'll win number two. Yeah, I believe it's coming Very up. Soon. Six, a great draft haul this year. Really exciting crop of young players. I would say that's going to happen in the next six T years. Yeah, wait. Oh, I will not be alive for that. But I would, oh, maybe I can hang on. I think you might. I could. Oh, I would be pushing it. I, mean, I don't know if, you'd, so long, if yeah. you'd really um, pay attention to the game. <laughs> yeah. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Like we were talking about before, I do somehow get that old man voice. (laughs) Say that thing. What's that you got there, dear? No, I think women belong in. (laughs) I think women should stay at home. Anyway, I would love to thank from St Kilda, Alex Waybury. Oh, Waybury sounds like it could be a tart. Waybury tart. Yum. That sounded sarcastic. I meant that yum. Uh, the, the tarty toad. Oh, the tarty toad. toad. A slutty little the toad. The tarty toad. <laughs> I meant more tart-like, as in uh, 
baked Slutty. good like. Oh, yeah. okay. oh delicious. <laughs> yes, delicious toad. Yeah, sort of in, like sort of nuggety, I guess. A pie you could sugary, sugary, yeah. sweet. sweet, sweet like sweet a tart. Sweet is a bit more positive. Uh, tarty toad. That's nice. Tarty toad. I like that a lot. Um, and I would also love to thank from Tu Wong in Queensland, Hannah. Hannah. Oh, Hannah, the hell-raising <gasps> hermit hound. hound. The hermit, hermit hound. That's good. Hound. The hell-raising hermit hound. Oh. <laughs> Triple H, they call it. Yeah, Triple H. Oh. That's a new thing. That, <laughs> that's a new sporting name that is untaken so far. Dave, wrestling man, is that that's right? right? Triple H. Uh, Hunter Helmsley. I can't remember what the other H is for. Oh, there is another Triple H. Oh, oh. No, well, then what I said isn't <laughs> isn't relevant at all. Um, and finally, for me, I would love to thank from Egan in I want to say Minnesota. Minnesota. M N Dave. That feels right. That feels, feels right. so right. There's so many M states, though. You can, can you ever be sure? And I keep doubting myself, but lately I've been better because we have a lot of American supporters. And so, anyway, back yourself, Jess. Back oh, yourself. It is Minnesota, it's Minnesota, Jess. Minnesota. And that is where Sophie Morris is from. Thank you, Sophie. Um, okay, Sophie, what kind of vibe am I getting from you? Maybe like an eel? Oh, Ooh. yeah. Electrifying <gasps> eel. Yes. That's a pretty good nickname. That's great. She's like slick. Can't quite catch yeah, her. Yeah, can't yes. grab her. Runs through with the ball. Untackleable. Yeah, that's good. That's what Maybe you want to be. Yeah, running back. Yeah. Who just gets weaves through uh, the field. I'm sorry, she's a gymnast. A oh, gymnast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in my head. Can't get all your hairs on her. American footballers. No, they, no. Could be, they could be anything they want to be. People are trying to tackle her as she runs towards the the pommel horse and <laughs> they can't grab her. Which is the gymnast uh, red zone, really, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank a few people. I'd like to thank uh, from Nepean in Ontario in Canada. Another one. Big thank you to... Sam. Oh, Sam. Sam and Tara from the yeah, same place. Yeah, what are the place. odds of that? Two Nepeanas. And only giving us... Nepeanists. First names. First name. Do you know each other? If you don't, you should. Okay, I'm getting... What kind of... I'm getting a zebra vibe. Ooh. Oh, zany. Zany zebra. The zany... Or zany good. zebra. That's oh, good. Yes. Hey, because they're like, what's a zebra? ZZ. ZZ Sam. Yeah. Comes out on top. On the no. double Z. That's real Puts good. the other players <laughs> to sleep. Hey, I would like to thank now from Rotherham in Great Britain, Thomas Hill. Thomas Hill. Is that a Rotherham tart? Oh, gotta be. They feel like they've got a tart for everything. Yeah, for every occasion, for every city. We should <laughs> do know? a tart crawl one day. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, my God. Yum. <laughs> I can't move. <laughs> I've had 84 tarts. I love wombat as a name. I think it's a great footballing thing. They just they can go real fast and then yep. nuggets and they can just plow through. So what's a, what a whistling wombat? Oh, the whistling oh, wombat. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's real good. You hear just them so coming. nonchalant. Yeah. You hear that wombat coming. <laughs> oh. Bang! No, hey, ain't nothing to me. Yeah. Oh, what's up? Just a little wombat. Just whistle while I work. Just a cute little wombat. <laughs> I'm going to fuck you up. Thomas the Whistling Wombat Hill. That's really Big good. Fan of that. Well done. And finally, I'd like to thank from Camberwell here in Victoria, Emmy, Emmy Nottle. Oh, Emmy, already name. amazing. Yeah. Then Nottle. Fucking hell, Emmy. That's so good. Yeah, something. Emmy, I mean, the award, the Emmy Award. Yeah. Is there any animal related to the Emmys? Dave? 
I'm trying to think of an Emmy. An is there like uh, what's that? What was the famous TV uh, or or movie? Uh, Red Dog. Animal. Red Dog. Red Dog. Probably not Emmys, but should have been. Is Emmys TV and movies? Yeah. What about um, no, that's Golden Mi- Globes. Mr. Ed? Oh, Mr. Mr. Ed. Ed. So the. Uh, the horse, horny horse. I was going to say humping <laughs> horse. Humping horse. The horny humping horse. The horny at Triple H. Emmy. Oh, <laughs> the, that could be the other nickname, <laughs> the Triple H, because I don't think that hasn't come up. No. So. Emmy, how do you feel about that? Do you like that, Emmy? You could just go the horse if you wanted to. Yeah. That sounds badass. The horse. Just sounds like she has a big dick. <laughs> yeah, the Sydney coach in the AFL's nickname's horse. Is it? Yeah. Why? Uh, long face, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, right. Sad. I, I assume. I assume big dick. But Licks a lot of salt. Do not know for sure. <laughs> I'm sure, he's got a a more uh, G-rated backstory for it. Doubtful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd like to thank you one more time, Emmy, Thomas, Sam, Sophie, Hannah, Alex, Dominic, Tara, and Jake B. Bush. Well, that brings us to the final section of our great uh, supporter shout out section which is where we thank a few of our long-term uh supporters who are we're welcoming into the triptych club it's just the two inductees this week the way this works is we've got a club set up it's beautiful space it's in your mind but it's in our hearts as well Mm. and uh, i'm standing on the door got the velvet rope i'm going to read out your name i'm holding the clipboard uh welcome you in Dave's a hot man. He's standing on the stage. Everyone who's already inducted is standing around cheering you on. Rah, 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 that sort of thing. Yeah. Jess is up on the stage with Dave just keeping him yeah. feeling good because he's your hot man tonight. Thank and you so much. Jess is Dave's hype. What, do you, what would you refer to yourself as? A hype? Hype-y? I want to be a hype man. Hype man? Just hype, other hype? I think hype man has no gender. Backup hype man. I'm deciding now. But you're, I mean, you can be a hype man for just one person, I guess. Of course you can. You're probably more of a hype man than Dave is. Dave's more like a MC and you're the hype man. Yeah. Thank, uh, you. Thank you so much. So, uh, another thing that happens is Dave normally books a band. You're never going to believe it. Oh, my God. What's Obviously, happened? I booked this one nine, ten months ago, looking back at the emails. And we are going to have a an acoustic set from the Steve Miller Band. What? Get out. Can you believe that? So take wow. your money and run. Gonna be so so good. How well, what is he gonna get on a big air, a jet airliner? Yeah, exactly. Get playing all the hits. Dave, this is crazy. Like at some point, it's like you've got this this. <laughs> you're on such a hot streak. I know. And at some point, like it's got to end, right? Yeah. Like how can you possibly maintain this? I, I, honestly. I don't know. Wow. But Just incredible. But while it's happening, it's so good. Absolutely. Jess, have you got a kangaroo kicker cocktail for yeah. guests tonight? <laughs> Absolutely. The kicker is cocaine. <laughs> um, so. so it's sort of like a classic lip sip suck, but the, uh, it's more of a snort. Yeah. No, it's just in the drink. Oh, it's, it's in a, a cocktail. Yeah, okay. So I, I do have to limit it to one per person. Right. So it's more so like a instead of a Jaeger bomb, it's more like a, a cocaine bomb. Correct. It's kind of yeah. like the original Coca Cola. <laughs> Yes, that's right. Um, but it's like a fun fruity cocktail. It's blue fruit tingle. Yeah, it's like a, no, it's blue. Oh, blue. Um, like a like Does a it have uh, blue. Crack crack I'll cr- uh, I'll put the crack in. No, it's, anyway. Yeah, and also <laughs> uh, like the food that we have is like it's like an Australian but infused with American oh. food because to as an homage. So instead of it, it's like a, a tadakan, but uh, the duck is actually a duck billed platypus. Stuffed inside a turkey. That sort of thing? Nah, I just meant we had like... 
<laughs> like jats and cheese and then also like oh, some, yeah, 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 some yeah, like yeah. American barbecue kind yeah. of thing. I'm, I'm just putting the I'm closh not, back down over my... I did not <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Forget what... Yeah. A don't, platypus no, 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 sorry, just, being I, sorry. shoved inside a turkey. Sorry, yeah. Don't look up. Don't yeah. worry about... Matt, what's in that cloche? No, don't worry about that cloche. <laughs> Nothing's have, there. I've truly misunderstood the <laughs> MasterChef challenge. <laughs> So, just two inductees uh, this week. Are you ready, Dave, to hype them up? Let's do this. Let's go, Davey. Lift that rope. From Perth in Western Australia, it's Zeke. Zeke, feeling cheeky. Yes, <laughs> you cheeky boy. And from West Hollywood in California in the United States, it's Tess Ornstein. Or Ooh, Ornstein. Tess Ornstein, feeling hornstein. Yes. All right. For friendship. Or Tess is best. Yeah. Oh, if you prefer the PG version. Better. Yeah, both good. Welcome in, Tess and Zeke. So good to have you. So uh, to be in the Triptych Club, you've just got to be uh, signed up on the shout-out level or above for three straight years, and you get in and you get to have some Coke, apparently. Yeah. And I don't Only if you want it. There's no pressure. It's open bar. No pressure. Well, it? I can but make it without the Coke. I can make it without the alcohol. Yeah. Like, it's up to you, but, like, it's a, ca- it's a kangaroo kicker. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed you to do? You can have a virgin kangaroo kicker. What am I supposed to do? Just put, like, a tiny little plastic kangaroo on the side of your drink like it, like it's a fucking garnish? No. no. I, we've been doing this for a long time, and I have to think of something different every time. <laughs> exactly. You give me something called kicker, I've got to give it a kick, don't yeah. I? Oh, yeah, I could put some Tabasco in it. Get the fuck out, Bloody Mary. No. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for another week. Um... Yeah, is there anything else we need to say before we go, Boppa? Just that you can find us on social media at DoGoOnPod. Um, you can email us at DoGoOnPod at gmail.com. Check out our website, DoGoOnPod.com. And, uh, you know, be sure to bloody tune in. Mm. That's great. Tell your friends if you want to. Oh, my God. You, you know what you should do, actually? support us in all sorts of ways, really. Tell your friends. Yeah. Not too much that then they're, like, not listening out of protest. Just make it like real cash and cool. Just be like, as you're meeting a friend for coffee, just sort of have your earphones in and just be like, <laughs> oh, hey, good to see you. Sorry, I was just listening to a great podcast. It's that sort of stuff. Yeah. Guerrilla marketing is what we're after. And then, of course, warn them, yes, it will be tedious at first. Yes. But you'll get used to them. Yeah, you do. At first, you're like, the fuck? These but guys then- are a bit much. <laughs> but then you understand that we're obvious friends. Yes. We'll win you over with our tedium. <laughs> and I believe next week we'll be back with... With our annual Krishmish special. Obviously, I think this is now maybe our seventh annual Christmas episode. So good. So if you want to do the run up this week and listen to all the Christmas episodes, we've got one for every day of the week now. I love it. The seven days of Christmas. My true love gave to me. I couldn't name a week of podcasts. Like two of them. Maybe Uh, I'll go back. I'll go back and listen. Christmas Time Mysteries Part 1. Yes. Christmas Time Mysteries Part 2. Okay. Krampsis. Krampsis. Santa Claus. The origin story. Oh, we did a, a three-part one in London one time where we talked about Michael Bublé and oh, uh, yes. the Stone of Scone heist. And uh, I did one about a town called Christmas Santa or Christmas or something. Yes, that's right. And I did one on the I don't know, eggnog riot. That's right. Oh, that was another one in London. Yeah. We did, we've done two London And I Christmas talked about shows. Die Hard. Yes, that's right. Okay, now I remember. And did I talk about the Westminster thing? Yeah. Or something like that? It's all coming back to me now. Bloody hell, I feel like Celine Dion or whoever sang that song. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Dave, boot at home, please. We'll be back next week with a Christmas special. But until then, thank you so much and goodbye. Bye.